Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate slow-moving corporate decision-makers. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate when I sleep on one side all night so my hand is swollen for, like, a few hours. <laughs> Do you sleep with your hand, like, under your body or up by your head? Uh, both. Either one is bad. Hmm. Yeah, I used to sleep on my stomach with like my head tilted to the side because that was the most comfortable thing because my arms and feet always fall asleep i have terrible circulation yeah but when i had started having all these back problems and i was going to the chiropractor he was like dude do not sleep on your stomach like that turning your neck to the side that's terrible for your neck and your spine so i have to either sleep on my back with like a pillow tucked above my shoulders, like around my head, which I can't do because I get sleep apnea and I'm going to die in my sleep from not breathing. Yeah. Or what I do is I have to sleep on a side with a pillow or like a bunch of blankets between my legs to help open my spine up. And it's not nearly as com- as comfortable as sleeping on my stomach, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, honestly, I, sleeping on my stomach scares me more because my breathing would stop when I would sleep on my stomach. Interesting. Yeah. Like I would, or no, no, it wasn't that my breathing would stop. I would like choke on my own spit or something. Like I would, I would wake up. I've woken up several times, like not able to breathe choking on like my own spit, like sleeping on my stomach. And so I I just, I won't sleep on my stomach anymore, obviously. And yeah, I can't sleep on my back because my throat closes up. Right. Um, yeah. So it's I like I just I have to constantly rotate side to side throughout the night, and usually I don't even like remember that I do it. But apparently, mm-hmm. two nights ago I just didn't move the whole night, and so I woke up and like nothing, all floppy going on <laughs> on my right side, and then my hand was all swollen, which was really bad because we're doing. Um, well, this past week we did a huge theater cleanup. Um, mm-hmm where we took all the costumes and like organized them and cataloged them and boxed them. And, and like I had to come up with this crate and rope system to get them up top by the HVAC units. Uh, and then we totally redid all the wood storage. Like I built these bins for different lengths of wood and stuff and cleaned everything out. And so like, I couldn't use my right hand two <laughs> days ago. So yeah. I was making the kids do everything, which I guess wasn't that bad. Yeah, but. sure. Why not? But yeah, <laughs> you're their you're their leader. Sure, they're in. Do you sleep leader. with your uh, with your engagement ring on? No. Okay, good. Because I used to do that when we first got married, and when I would wake up, my hands would be so swollen I wouldn't be able to get it off, and it would make me panic. Right. And it's already bad enough on my fingers because I realized when I went and got sized for a ring. I don't remember if you and mom were there with me, or that was just when we got Kelly's ring. But when we went to get mine, and they were sizing me. They pointed out, which I can never now unlearn, that I don't have knuckles. Right, yeah, I don't know. Like how a normal – your normal finger is thinner on like the meat and then it gets bigger at the knuckle, thinner, bigger at the knuckle, and then the tip of your finger. That's not how my fingers work. Our fingers are conical. Yes, (laughs) exactly, yes. (laughs) They're the fattest at the joint and then they get thinner and thinner, including the knuckle all the way to the tip of the finger. And – um. Now I feel very self-conscious about my no knuckle hands. <laughs> <laughs> no but knuckle when, hands. Like cuz normally people get their finger or their rings stuck at the knuckle, but for me it's at the meat of my finger and so if my hands are swollen like that, 
I can't move it. Like, it's not that I can, like, not get it over my knuckle. It's I can't move it at all. Right. And that just makes me, like, makes me panic. Like, I'm going to have to get some kind of, like, scissors and whatever. Um, or it wouldn't be scissors. But I'm thinking of, like, the fireman scissors they use to cut people out of grates. Like, the jaws of life. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking of, of <laughs> to cut my ring off. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take your finger off. You can do that yeah, with a regular pair of scissors. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that'll take some sawing. Yeah. A lot of effort to cut your finger off that way. <laughs> well, um, last episode and really the past two episodes have been gigantic mega episodes. First when we talked about all the E three shit, and then last episode when we caught up with a month's worth of video games and movies and everything else. So now we're back to the kind of the regular cadence and there's not a ton of news. Like there's a decent amount of things for us to kinda of hit on, but it's not like really big stuff. So I am planning on this being a little bit more of a normal episode, maybe more like two hours, because to be honest, after last week, when I had all those fucking errands to do and chores to complete, I have just as much stuff to do this weekend, because this (laughs) is adulthood. I got Octopath Traveler delivered yesterday, because this is Saturday, we're recording this, got it delivered Friday, and I was so pumped to get it and start it, and Kelly and I, we ended up hanging out last night. And then, uh, so today we're doing the podcast. I got to edit the podcast. I have to go pick up my suit, which is downtown. And so I got to try it on. It's going to take like two hours. And then I have to run to the grocery store to get food for me to make dinner for us when I get back. Plus I have to clean up all of my drum set. I have to clean our guest bathroom because Kyle, you and mom are coming to visit next week. Are you sure? It's very exciting. Are you sure that's next week? It is. Are you positive? It is. What? What is the joke you are playing with you? (laughs) But yes, we have to clean up the office because this is where mom's going to sleep. We have to clean up the guest bath because it's disgusting because we don't use it. And so I just have a bunch of crap to do. And then tomorrow, like, we have to go to the grocery store legit for the whole week's worth of stuff. And then my nephew has a third birthday party. So we have to go buy him a present because we're terrible aunts and uncles. And we wait to the last minute to do everything. So it's just a bunch of – I mean, it's not like – it's just a bunch of that tedious stuff that takes away from my free time. Similar as last episode. I thought I was checking it all off my list, and I wasn't. So that's my weekend. But the point being, let's talk about some shit so that this isn't another three-and-a-half-hour podcast. What do you say? <laughs> that sounds good to me. So how about, um, well, I guess I, I, I should say, I was going to ask kind of what else you've been playing, but kind of our new cadence now is we start talking about Destiny 2. Yeah, okay. So we might we'll as well talk about Destiny, Destiny too. Yeah, because we've played a lot of Destiny in the past two weeks. We did. So we beat through Warmind. So last episode, we had pl- played through Trials of Osiris, the first DLC. Now we played through Warmind, the second DLC. I had pretty similar feelings about it. It's just one of those things where, like, a lot of cool visuals, a lot of cool story ideas, and, like, world-building ideas, but not so great on the execution part. And a lot of cool, like, moments but the general feel was kind of like, eh. That's yeah. kind of how the story mode in Destiny goes. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, other than all the grinding shit we've been doing, we did the raid. The Leviathan raid. Yes, we finally beat the raid. Yeah. So we played with uh, Cody, your buddy Cody, and um, two other guys from, well, I should say, we started with one other guy that Cody knows, and so there was four of us that knew each other, and so we needed to go through the LFG to find randos that have done the raid before that could play with us. We got one guy, Max, who 
He had, had very good raid gear. Yeah, he had Once all got, of the raid gear. Yes, all of the like super leveled up, the masterwork, like the best version of the raid gear you can get. And then once we got in the raid, he, he was kind of fucking up a lot. Yeah, well, he was just fucking around. And I think it's a Maybe. symptom of, like, him having done it so many times. Yeah. He just wanted to mess around. And I also, and I don't mean this to sound like we're cool in any way, shape, or form. But it was almost like, because he came across to me as being much younger. I think so, too. Like, like maybe 20, maybe even, yeah, exactly. Maybe even younger, like 18 or something. And there was an air of, like, him trying to be cool, maybe, with us. Because, like, we were, we seemed older. That might be a false assumption. But there was a little bit of that, like, him trying a little too hard to goof around. Yeah, I think he was also high. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's he very kept, he possible. kept stepping away he like did, i had to go yeah. do something <laughs> he did keep stepping away from from the ps4 that's for sure but so that was our fifth and he was like he was fine once we were actually in the playing of everything he was fine but um originally our sixth joined and what was his name dr global yes so R.I.P. He was yes r.i.p dr global so he <laughs> was a non-native english speaker yeah I, I'm assuming he lives in another country, although that might not be true. There's no evidence of that. But he was definitely English was a second language. So there was a, a, a big language barrier there. I couldn't really tell from his accent where he might be from. Right. Um, but he had a lot of problems kind of getting the instructions. Because you and I, Kyle, had never played this before. And so we were going based on the recommendations of Cody, Cody's buddy, who I think you know too, I don't remember his name, and Max, who were kind of telling us what to do, as well as Dr. Global. Dr. Global was struggling to follow the instructions. Possibly might have been he was struggling to understand the instructions. He had also never done the raid before, so maybe he just wasn't getting it. Right. But Cody... Took one for the team and decided to be the asshole. Yeah. And created a new PlayStation party separate from Dr. Global, invited the rest of the four of us, and was like, hey, let's all bail on Dr. Global. (laughs) And I, to be honest with you, still carry around the guilt of bailing on Dr. Global. But yeah, but we we got to never finish that Cody the rest of the time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> like, then, that, then another guy that Cody and I know, um, Rob, mm-hmm. he joined in and kind of filled the Dr. Global void. And, and I, he I really had played like the raid before, yeah, too. He yeah, knows what he's he was doing. Cool. He's, he's played it yeah. plenty of times before. And I like Rob. And so we were all like joking around like, boy, sure would be nice if Dr. Global was here. <laughs> like, oh like man, do, do you guys remember in. that one time with Dr. Global? Oh, that was great. Just like doing that the whole time. It was pretty good. So, yeah, that was our um, LFG experience. Or I guess it's, I mean, it's in-game now. It's the whatever, finding group beta, whatever they call it. Guided, yeah, guided, guided beta. Yeah. Um, I mean, functionality-wise, it worked fine. Yeah. When Max came in, we just invited him to our PS4 party, and like everything worked okay. So that that was pretty cool how you can kind of do that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad now I have done the raid. I would do it again. It's not something I want to run regularly because even when you know how to do it all, it still takes a long time. It does. Like it's a couple hours worth of a commitment. I mean, it took us, what, four hours or so to beat it? Yeah. Even Um, with four people who had done it before? Yeah, I think that's including going back for the raid chests, though. That's true. Yeah, we did go back in to get the special raid chests. Um, You're right. But, um, 
Yeah, it was fun. I liked the mechanics. It's difficult because, and I think you brought this up, the stuff that is overly mechanics heavy tends to get kind of annoying because, like, when one person fucks up the smallest thing, that's it. You got to start over. And that's kind of, that isn't that much fun because you're really having to aim for perfection. Right. And that just isn't. Like, I would rather there be some way – and granted, there were a few times where somebody would screw something up. We were able to make it through anyway. But by and large, like, if there's a mistake, you just have to wipe and start over. Right. And I would prefer a, a better way of, if something bad happens, a cool way to kind of, like, c- excuse me, come together as a team and still be able to accomplish it. That's a lot more of a team-building kind of thing versus, ah, oh, damn it, Cody, you fucked up again. Now we got to start over. Right, yeah. It, it, it becomes like – you, uh, like a blame game almost yeah um but i don't know did you have any other thoughts about it about kind of like what the structure was it's not like it's a new raid obviously right but it was our first time doing it um i'm just glad to be done with it <laughs> yeah no no interest in doing it again uh not like the raid proper really i, I want to check out the raid layers though yeah sure yeah, I would like because I think to get your powerful gear, like your weekly epic stuff yeah, that resets, you can do the raid or raid layers or the raid layers. Yeah, yeah. so I, I would I would be down to try the raid layers. I'm assuming they're also a six person thing. I don't know, probably. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we'll check that out. And then other than that, we just did some grinding. There are there are so many, um, not side quests, but like weapon and armor quests, things that you need to do to like get special gear to level up your gun, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, Destiny 1 had a lot of those, and especially in the Taken King, there were a ton of those. It seems like in vanilla Destiny 2, there was a little bit less of that. Like, there were a couple exotics that you could only get by doing a bunch of random shit. But through Trials of Osiris and Warmind, it seems like they've added a lot of those, which I like. It gives you something additional to be moving toward when you're doing all your weekly grinding. Yeah, it's a Um, sense of, like, killing more than one bird with a single stone, right? Like, like three or four sometimes at the same time. Right. They they can be kind of tedious, though. Like, because some of them are, they take so long. And you have to, like, and then you're just going and finding ways to exploit it. Like, you're not doing it the way they want you to do it, which is just, like, ambient in the, as you're playing the game, eventually you get it. You're finding ways to kind of work around the system, which there's, I guess there's a little satisfaction in that feeling like you gamed the system a bit. But it still, it takes away a lot of the fun of just being in that world, which is one of the larger problems I have with Destiny in the first place. And it's kind of inherent to loot games. Because when you have a game designed on getting more loot, making the numbers get higher, getting better stuff every single minute, and so your goal is just to get better shit. So all you do is try to find the most efficient ways to get the better shit. So like the strikes, there are a lot of really cool design elements in strikes. A lot of the levels are really awesome looking. But you never think about it because you just want to get from point A to point Z as fast as possible so right. you can get to the next one. Like I know there's that one strike that was in Launch Destiny 2 that takes place on Titan. And it is the like underground – it's almost like a shopping mall, like a futuristic shopping mall area. Right. That is to me the coolest area in all of Destiny or Destiny 2. I love the look of that zone. But who gives a shit because you're only there to kill the guys and get out and move to the next one. And that just bums me out a little bit. Like, I would love a better excuse to explore it a bit and really build on kind of the world of Destiny. Because while the story may be very lacking, the world is awesome. And that's something Bungie was very good at in Halo as well. You know, obviously I know you enjoyed the story. But for me, like, I didn't care about the story with the 
whatever forerunners. What it? What was it? Yeah, forerunners. Is that what they were called? I didn't care about all that kind of crap, but the world of Halo was really, really awesome, and I liked having a better reason to kind of be there because it's a single player game. There's more focus on story. It's easier to kind of get wrapped up in the world. With Destiny, it's all about fucking grinding your shit out, and so you don't care. Right. So there you go. More Destiny 2. I'm sure we'll have some more stuff to talk about, but really, honestly, from here on out before Forsaken, it's just going to be grinding. And yeah. getting better shit. For sure. And honestly, there's kind of no point in doing that. I know they have mentioned that you can bring your stuff over to Destiny 2, but like... The whole let's max our power level out and do all that kind of crap. There's not really much point in that because Forsaken is going to completely undo a lot of it. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I know we'll probably play once a week together to do some of the powerful gear stuff, some of the grinding stuff. But I don't know that I'll play outside of when you and I play. Right, yeah. Like, I definitely by don't myself. play by myself. Yeah, yeah. Um so we'll see. That's Destiny 2. But uh, what else have you been playing? Um, So I got Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition uh, on sale okay. on Steam. Yeah. Um, that game is still really fun. Like, it, ha- it has a good energy about it. It has fun weapons that have great, like, alt fires. Um, the whole, like, um, like tr- trying to get the skill shots and stuff, like all the different mm-hmm. ways you can kill enemies, giving you points to then upgrade your stuff. That's fun, and it still works. Um, the writing is still awful, um, and the <laughs> graphics aren't that bad. But um, they, I don't really know. It just parts of it look really good. Like the skyboxes mm-hmm. look really good, and the distance, yeah. like the render distance, is good, but. Like, up close, a lot of the stuff still doesn't look super great, which it's kind of a dated game at this point, so that's to be expected. Um, Not enough remaster in it? Correct, yes. Um, yeah, it, it's it's still that game. I think I might be approaching, like, halfway through it or something. Um, if it wasn't for the kind of, well, definitely hit-or-miss humor in that game, that game would be amazing. Because right. the gameplay loop is so fucking fun. But it's just, there's... And sometimes it is funny in its tongue-in-cheek way. But most of the time, it's annoying as hell. Yes, totally. It will be, you know, it's... There's a reason why the full Clip Edition has an add-on with Duke Nukem in it. Yes. Um, they are leaning into that tone. Yes. <laughs> Pretty heavily. Um, I played some more Vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, I rage quit and uninstalled it. Oh no! Why? Um, they just—they're not realistically letting me play the way that I want to play, the way that they said I'm allowed to play. And By not like, killing people, fuck them for that. Like yeah. they said, like, hey, it'll be harder if you don't kill people. But it's fucking impossible. It is mm-hmm. impossible. Like I got to, and this is a main story mission. It was three bosses back to back. One was a yeah. new kind of enemy where she can, like, teleport around, which is really hard to counter. But when she teleports, she also leaves, like, a cloud of poison gas behind. And then she can also, mm-hmm. like, spray poison gas. And mm-hmm. that DOTs me in about three seconds. Gotcha. Even if I'm popping my blood, like, to get health back, it still just kills me. So I can't mm-hmm. get hit by her at all with any of that poison stuff. I can't enter the poison cloud at all because I just die. So I beat that boss after like a half hour. 
and then it leads you on a merry way, and you have to fight now, like, regular enemies are a also able to do the poison cloud. Oh, so boy. I'm going through the world and just dying over and over again immediately after mm -hmm. that fight. Finally get to the next area. It's another boss battle with another one of that chick and also a second mm -hmm. enemy. Two <laughs> bosses. I beat that fight after a long time, and I struggle my way through and get to the next area. And it's the third boss... And she is, like, super fucking hard because she one-shots me with a sword. And then she also calls in regular enemies. And I'm talking, like, she's level, like, 29 and I'm level 19. She's a full mm. 10 levels above me. And there's not much I yeah. can do. Like, there are a couple side quests I could go complete and I could sleep and level up and stuff. But when I sleep and level up, they're going to level up too. So I'm going to be uh, – I'm still going to be behind. And mm -hmm. it's just, like – Fuck them for making the game that particular way. I would That's rather annoying. there be a traditional difficulty option. I would rather. Right. I, I Like, the idea of it is cool. Yeah. Like, the more you lean into the dark side, basically, the more powerful you get. I like that idea. But it's like... Sounds like the execution just wasn't there. Yeah, it, it's like they never really had the conversation of what if someone doesn't want to kill anyone. Yeah. I guess, like, in their mind, it's you're just going to kill fewer people. Right. Like, only a couple. Right. But not zero. But, yeah, if, you're, if they're going to give you the option to choose whether or not to kill anybody at any time, they have to assume some people are going to not want to kill anybody. And so the game should be kind of tuned to that. It should be. And it's not. Um, I was, like, looking up online, like, can I go in and, like, edit some files to adjust, mm. like, damage values and stuff? And, no, no one's done anything like that yet. So... Fuck that game. I mean, also, like, the writing was not interesting enough to keep yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the uh, the other stuff, it's not like the other stuff was amazing either. Right. It was just, like, it was good enough to keep you going. Yeah, like, if if the story they were telling was, like, I gotta finish this, I would have just right. gone, gone and chomped on some people. Right. But, right. like, no. Fuck that. That's too bad. That's not how I was playing the game. It's not the dude, like, the headcanon I had built around my guy. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, well, let me say, because we're on Don't Nod, so I played Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. Yeah. They're kind of standalone the little precursor to Life is Strange Season 2. Yeah, so it was free. It was actually listed as a demo for Life is Strange Season 2, which was quite annoying because I downloaded it a couple days after E3, and it was nowhere to be found on the PlayStation Store. Not even by searching it could I find it. I had to. I randomly was like, okay, let me check on Life is Strange 2 and see if it's in the related games. I went to Life is Strange 2 and it said, like, download demo. And that's where I was able to get the, oh, the Captain Spirit thing. So maybe it's on me. Maybe I missed something or well, some. Well, that's more just, like, the PlayStation Store being garbage. Yes, that is what I believe. But I'm trying to cover my bases in case anybody's <laughs> like, you're a fucking idiot. It's right there. I think the PlayStation Store is bad. That was my assumption, is that it was just poorly implemented. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's weird to think of this as a demo for Life is Strange 2, because obviously it's very different characters. They have said that the kid will be in Season 2 in some capacity. Who knows how? They may just reference him, or he may come across as an NPC or whatever. But um, the whole experience, like it was very Life is Strange. It's this super indie kind of feel to it 
there's kind of one major song that plays through a lot of the more emotional moments. And it, I mean, it's great. It's just like that really nice hipster emotional rock music, okay. which fits this world. Not something I would listen to on my own because it, it feels kind of pretentious, but it fits the world. There are moments where you can just kind of like you can sit in this treehouse and it does like just the, just the different shots of the environment with the music playing. And it's just like a nice kind of feeling the game gives you. Yeah. The story is, is really interesting as well. Cause I mean, without going into too many spoilers, it's just the kid and his dad. And you kind of are discovering more about the dad and his relationship and what happened with the mom as you progress through it. And there are a lot of really nice moments and like, um, not so nice moments, I guess is a good way of putting sure. it. Um, it's weird because in the trailers, they, they they very clearly set up the vibe of like, does the kid have superpowers or is it in his head? Is he playing or is he actually like Alec or um, Max, Max from Life is Strange uh, where he has powers? And so there is far less of that in the actual game than the trailers would make you believe of the whole like him – in his imagination being in a different world or a different universe, there isn't nearly as much of that, which was a little disappointing, I think. But uh, just in general, like, the writing is really great. It was awesome coming to this from Life is Strange Before the Storm, where the writing was not a strong part of that. Coming back to Don't Nod doing this and being like, okay, thank you. Don't Nod. It was not a fluke. They are good at this. Um, There were a couple moments that were a little forced, a little, like, where it's older people writing for younger people, mm-hmm. so it feels a little odd or off. Sure. But by and large, it was really awesome. I mean, it only took like two hours. I missed one little side thing because it kind of gives you – it just puts you in the scenario and you, there are like eight little side things you can accomplish that are all different sorts of puzzles or finding the right item to do it. And then there's the oh, – oops, sorry, bumped my, bumped my mic. There's the kind of overarching interaction with your dad that wraps up. And so there's no great indication of when the dad thing is going to wrap up. And so I progressed that, and it ended before I had completed one of the side mission things. Okay. Which was a bit annoying, but it's okay. I, they're all fun and worth doing, so it's a free thing. If you were at all interested in Life is Strange, there's no reason not to give this a shot because I – as a huge fan of Life is Strange, loved this, and it only makes me that much more excited for season two. Um, so do you think it's necessary to play Before the Storm? I don't know. Or, or I mean, because I don't know what this even worth. I don't know what the story. I don't know what the story in, in season two is going to be. Yeah. So I don't know if it ties in. No, I, I will say fair. that. I will say, assuming season two is going to focus on Max and Chloe. Before the Storm gives so much context for Chloe and why she is the way she is with that whole relationship with Rachel that happens before season one of Life is Strange. And really, because like in Life is Strange season one, like Rachel's missing. And that's kind of the driving story that is affecting Chloe in major ways. With Before the Storm, you really get a better picture for why it is so impactful for her. And I know I talked all about life um, before the storm on the podcast. So I've already spoiled like a little bit about how they have like a gay relationship and they're kind of discovering that sexuality for both of them. And all of that, despite the writing not being awesome, despite a lot of the gameplay elements, like the, um, the dissing mini games being painfully bad. I would say if you were a big fan of season one and you are 
eagerly anticipating season two, it's worth playing. Okay. It's not great. A lot of it will be a slog, but there are enough highs that I think you would get a lot out of it. A lot of those emotional moments are so fucking powerful. And like, I know I talked about the scene where they do the the theater production of the Tempest. Like you will love that scene. Like there's a lot of really, really good stuff in there. So yeah, I guess I would say if you were, if you know, you like life is strange before the storm's probably worth playing. Um, but just know what you're getting in for. It's not, it's not like telltale guardians of the galaxy level bad, but, uh, there's definitely a lot of stuff where I was rolling my eyes. That's for sure. Uh, so what else for you? So another negative experience. Um, I currently cannot play moonlighter. Um, cause I had an amazing run on the second dungeon. I didn't take a single hit the entire mm-hmm. run. The boss, the dungeon boss hit me once. Um, so I killed the boss, opened the boss chest and the game bugged out and I didn't get anything from the chest. And then I went to the entrance and I couldn't leave the room. And then I opened my oh. menu and I couldn't warp out with the warp out items and I couldn't interact with anything. Yeah, I forgot. You had texted me about this. Yeah. That's incredibly frustrating. So I had to restart the game, and when I yeah. loaded it up, sure enough, I had lost that entire day, that whole run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm currently taking a break from Moonlighter, which yeah. is a big I mean, bummer because I was really having a good time with it. Right. Um, and right. I'm not going to play that game again until they patch it. I mean, at least it didn't wipe everything or completely fuck up your save file. Like, that's the but silver it w- lining. it was literally yes. a perfect run. Right. I I definitely get the frustration. Because, like, it, I feel like that when I'm playing Skyrim and I forget to save out in the open world and I die and I lose, like, an hour of progress. Like, that's incredibly frustrating. And that is my fault. That's not the game's fault. Like, losing that amount of progress, especially when it's good progress, like, that's... Yeah, I definitely get that. That's very frustrating. I was not happy. Well, I added Moonlighter to my, like, I should play list after uh, you talked about it last episode. So now maybe I should wait until they patch it. Yeah, and, like, when I looked online, like, it has happened to other people, too. Like, Mm -hmm. on different Mm -hmm. bosses. So it's not something that's, like, exclusive to that dungeon. And, like, that is really worrisome for me. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. They, they need to fix that shit ASAP. That's a bummer, especially in a game that is released. Like, it's not right. like it's an early access game. Right. <sighs> um, Played more House Flipper. Uh-huh. Or, I guess, not more, but I played some House Flipper. I had not played it as of last episode. I finished all the... Oh, had we not talked about it? So, I said I had bought it, and I talked okay. about kind of what it is, but I hadn't yeah. played it yet. So, okay. I played it, and I finished all of the missions... Um, that like they, people send you say, Hey, go clean this please. Or like, you know, knock out the wall in my house or make it two rooms or, you know, vacuum up all the cockroaches or whatever it is. Um, that was really, really fun and kind of mindless. Like I would watch and listen to videos and podcasts and stuff on the side. It was great for that. Um, but now all I have left to do is buy properties with the money that I made from doing that. And Mm -hmm. then there are like basically three or four people that are looking at buying your property and they are displayed in like the top right or left or whatever. And as you do stuff to the property, one of them will like that thing and one won't 
or so on and okay. so forth. You have kind of, you're trying to like pick which one of them you're trying to sell the house to. Um, and as you make adjustments and stuff, they'll make comments or like they'll say, like, "Boy, I really wish it had this," and so you gotta add that. That's just not as fun because I really liked the because before you're like you're filling meters, the percentage bars yeah. going up. Like, oh, you yeah. got ninety percent of the cockroaches keep on sweeping, you know. Um, and like that felt good. And this, it's very nebulous, and you're not quite sure if what you're doing is really having an impact. Um, and then you're, cause you're, I mean, everything you do, you're spending money too. So like, it doesn't, that's not as fun. Um, and then there's this whole like barter system for when you sell the house that was not well explained. Um, yeah, it's just like a little bit more of a, a loose structure. So I, I think right. I'm kind of done playing it. Uh, they've added before I bought it, they added extra missions and stuff for you to go to, uh, go and do. Um, but I mean, currently I feel like I got my money's worth, but hopefully they add more missions later on that I'll go back and play, but I don't really feel the drive to like purchase the property and do stuff to it, you know? Um, and where are you playing this on PC? Okay. Is it only on PC? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, for some reason I was thinking it was, they had a mobile version. uh It feels like there should be a mobile version. (laughs) There there could be. Um, I played Elder Scrolls Online for about five hours, mm-hmm. um, and I'm already seeing the MMO version of myself come out, just running <laughs> like point to point to point to point, not yeah. paying attention, skipping all the dialogue, just running around uh, and doing. Are you the not thing. finding that stuff like engaging at all? Because that's no. part of what is attracting me to Elder Scrolls. Because I went ahead and bought it. I think I texted you about it. I went ahead and bought it because when it was on sale for like 15 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But uh, that's part of what makes me want to play it. It's not the MMO stuff because I know I won't like that as much having right. played the demo. It's the world and the exploration that I want to I mean, I the, the writing seems good, but like every minute I stand there and listen is another minute I'm not going point to point shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the, so you like Destiny 2 is what you're saying. <laughs> you like the grind because it feels so good to play sure and this okay. doesn't necessarily feel as good to play um yeah. and it's the same problem that i have with most open world games like assassin's creed like uh, any open world games that are not like aggressively well written and well realized um i just i'm on autopilot the whole time and i'm not paying attention yeah. And that's why I don't like Assassin's Creed Origins, and that's why I have such open world fatigue. Is because I'm I'm essentially doing the same thing in every world. Um, uh, but Bethesda games are kind of the exception to the rule. I guess I'm not quite sure what they do differently. I guess it, it's because the world is so interesting that I buy into being a part of the world. Whereas, like in Assassin's Creed, I don't. In Origins, I didn't really buy into Bayek being part of the world, you know? Huh. I, I, I felt like... Hmm. I guess, like, as Bayek, I, I felt like... Kind of... Not an intruder. That's not the right word. Like an outsider, maybe? Yeah. And and he, Why he, is he that, kind of very think? much was. Well, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it I, just like it felt disconnected from the world and the story. Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I could see that. 
I, I mean, I obviously didn't have that experience because I, I really enjoyed that game. But maybe it's more that I liked the character of Bayek so much more that, like, I was kind of along for the ride with him a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I liked him more than other Assassin's Creed characters. Sure. But that's not necessarily that high of a bar for me yes. personally. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, really, other than Ezio, all the other characters have been forgettable, right. if not kind of annoying. Right. Yeah, I get that. So, I don't know. Um, I probably, I don't even know if I'm going to play any more of it. Hmm. Um, well, it definitely kills my impetus to play some. Or no, I guess you're playing <laughs> on PC I was on anyway, PC, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, I got Dead Island Survivors on my phone. It's a mobile Yeehaw. game. Um, it's like, a kind of mixing, um, zombies with tower defense. So it's kind of right. a tower defense game. Um, <clears throat> The graphics are pretty good for phone graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, it does this thing where every time you beat like an assault on your base, you get a chest, and it takes time to open the chest, and you only have so many chest right. slots, and you can only open one chest at a time. So right. it like limits how much you play based on that. Some games do like the energy microtransaction, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a free game, so they monetize right. how they can. Some games do the energy where it literally stops you from playing. This is like. You can play, but you're not going to get anything. Right, you're not going to get the chests. Like, you'll get extra, like, money and then, like, extra scrap to make towers and improve your towers and stuff. But you won't be able to keep that chest if you don't have an open slot. So, for $5, you could get an extra worker along with some more gems and some Mm -hmm. more cards and a free chest and stuff. Because, like, all the towers, like, everything in the game can be leveled up by getting a certain number of cards and then spending the cash, the in-game cash, to level them up. So, like, you get a chest that has, like, a bunch of stuff and, like, a new tower in it for $5, and you get a new, like, builder dude. Oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? I never spend money on mobile games. I'll give them my $5. So I did. Yeah, if you're having fun. Five bucks. Yeah, and like now I can open two chests at the same time, Shay. Oh man, hell yeah! Yeah, it's good. So you can get more shit that makes you want to open more chests. Damn straight. So yeah, that's good. And like, there's so every time you kill two hundred zombies, you get to open a zombie chest, and that's like mm-hmm. separate than a, another thing. And then certain missions will just give you like a free chest that pops when you um, finish the mission. So, like, you're still able to do some stuff that refreshes every so often um, outside of, like, the core four chests that you can have at any given time. Um, I will say the difficulty ramped up quite a bit on the second island because it's the tutorial island, the first island, and now I'm on the second island. Um, Mm -hmm. And the difficulty has ramped up quite a bit. Um, It's very difficult. Uh, And I think it's kind of... It kind of comes down to getting the cards for the towers and the character you want to play as yeah like you because you can play as multiple characters they all have different skills and different weapons that they can use and then you can level up the weapons too and so on and so forth so there's like there's a lot that you can be improving upon and you kind of have to pick and choose which ones you want to do um yeah it's 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 interesting it's okay (laughs) for for a mobile game it's it's all right because, I mean, like, Good nothing to is spend more, $5. Yeah. Nothing is more satisfying than having, like, four lanes come together into one lane, and then you can just put all your towers on that one mm-hmm. lane. It's like you put up mm-hmm. walls to funnel them all through one channel, and then you can just mm-hmm. fucking 
pound him with stuff. <laughs> That's really yeah. satisfying. And then I'm playing as Sam B, and he has like the big hammer, so I can like okay. I can go in and like smash the hammer and stun the enemies, and, like oh, knock them down. So then they still keep getting pelted by the towers and stuff. Right. Um. And there's like a, there's like a good they they reuse the Dead Island enemy archetypes in like interesting ways like the hunters who would like jump on you and grab you and stuff in the game they'll do that in here so it like stops you from acting for a little bit you have to like tap to okay. get them off you they're like the i don't remember what they're called but there's these enemies that are basically giant stink bombs and where they die they have a small radius and if there's a tower within the radius the tower gets gunked up for a short amount of time and doesn't function mm. so you gotta be like careful mm. where you're killing those ones and stuff like that so I don't know. There, there's a lot of different enemy types, and certain towers are better against certain enemy types, and and all that stuff. So, it's okay. It's it, it, that's cool. Yeah, I might check that game. out. That doesn't sound terrible. I mean, I don't really play mobile games that often, but I like to like every year. I'll try a new mobile game and I'll play it for a couple days, and yeah. then I will stop playing it. Yeah. Um. So before you jump to your last one, because I want to hear about it. Yeah. Just to wrap up my stuff. So I'm still playing a little bit of uh, Heart Gold. I haven't played a ton, but I swapped out my Hypno for Gligar, who's nice. the flying slash ground guy. Yeah. He's not amazing. He looks. I cool, gave him. Though. Yeah, he does look cool. I gave him some TM moves. So I gave him Sludge Bomb, which is like one of the better poison moves. But I hate it because poison's like useless. It just is a shitty move type. Yeah. Uh, but he's now my cut guy because before I had to have Typhlosion with cut because he was the only person on my team that could use it. So I gave that to Gligar, went to the move deleter, got rid of cut on Typhlosion. And then there's like an uber move guy who for the three starters can teach like the best move in the game. Ah. I don't remember what Typhlosion's was, but it does like 150 damage. Like it's like a 5 PP move. So I'm excited to burn some bitches with that. Um, but yeah, I, I considered Swinub. As the replacement character, he's an ice ground type. He's like right. the big. He he evolves into a big mammoth guy. Yeah. But again, ice the ice moves are just very weak. Um. So I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll swap him out eventually, just because Gligar's not doing a ton for me. But I guess he does evolve in Heart Gold. Oh. He did not evolve in Original Gold, and then they added an evolution in the next generation and so he can now evolve but you need this special item that he needs to hold at nighttime and he'll evolve and you only get the special item through like really high level trainer battles in this city which i can't even access yet i'm assuming it opens up like once i can access johto because i can go to the city i can go to the player zone but i can't fight anyone yet so I don't know. I'm gonna have to play around and huh. do a little more research because maybe that's like I want after the extra... Elite Four. Yeah, it might be. So uh, yeah, more to come on uh, Pokemon Heart Gold. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did I need um, to get back to Omega Ruby. I did add the speed thing. Uh, so like nice. I play on two times speed now, and when you're out in the world, I don't notice a huge difference. But in the battles, it's definitely like crazy fast, which oh, I really yeah. like. It makes grinding because that's all I've been doing is. 
because my guys are level 38. I got Gligar at like level 22. So I've just been grinding. And there's not a great place anywhere to really level guys up at that range. Because there's like the Lake of Rage where everybody's like level 18. And then there is the current area where I am, which is the 8th badge zone, where it's a bunch of like Geodudes that are the same level. And obviously my flying moves don't do great against Geodudes, so I can't really train there. Yeah. So it's, it's taken a long time to get Gligar up to where he needs to be. So I can take down these dragon assholes. <laughs> um, and then after hearing you talk about Fallout 4. Yes. I started a game of Fallout 4. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I am playing a bunch of games that don't matter. I'm playing Destiny 2 and Fallout 4 and Pokemon Heart Gold instead of playing a bunch of new video games. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I started on Vanilla. Because my original experience with mods was that I was really underwhelmed with the quantity and quality of the mods available. Because it can only be vanilla assets on PS4. And then when I tried to load them all up, I couldn't get the load order right. Because there's no real tool to help you with that. Yeah. And so I, the game wouldn't load. I just couldn't get the game to load. And so I just gave up. And I stopped playing Fallout 4. So this time, I started just a vanilla game. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. It'll still be fun. I played for like 8 to 10 hours. And was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm like level 12 now. I started some of the story stuff, some of the side missions. Let me go ahead and add some mods. So I actually was able to get everything working correctly. And I still have like 50 mods installed. But it's all, they're just all weapons, a couple armor pieces. Um, I did the simple green graphics mod, yeah. which looks amazing. Yep. My only criticism is that it kind of adds too many trees. Because like... It can be hard to get around some places now sure. because there are so many trees. But the game looks amazing. Yeah. And I haven't really noticed any um, performance issues even on PS4. I guess I am on PS4 Pro, which I'm sure helps. But um, And then I added – there's an exploration mod which opens up some of the houses and like yes. the big towns that are boarded up. So that will be cool to try out. I'm trying to think of what else. I think there was like one follower I added who was all vanilla stuff and then um, – it was actually a bit of an annoying process because when I transferred all my stuff from my PS4 to my PS4 Pro, I transferred everything that I had installed. But apparently it doesn't do that with DLC, and so I had to re-download all the Fallout 4 DLC. But the problem was I didn't do that before I went into the mods, and most of the mods I downloaded required the DLC. So it was like, you downloaded this, but you can't enable it because you need the DLC. So I had to go download all the DLC, which took like six hours. And then I had to go back in, <laughs> enable all the mods individually, readjust the, the load order because of that. So that was a pretty annoying process that took like probably two hours of fiddling with it. Right. And I'm in the game playing with mods. I added some like new enemy types and uh, there's a mod that like adds tribes that are scattered in like the wilderness that will be hostile to you. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, I'm just excited to play around. Not yet. I only okay. I played for maybe two hours. Okay, with I mods. heard those are super hard. Those enemies are really hard. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. There, there's a couple. There are a couple more mods that I want to wait until I'm higher level to install because I'm sure they're very hard. There's one that makes it like a ghoul apocalypse because it adds like 1200 ghouls oh, out gosh. in the world just regularly and I might want to try that. My my problem is I don't really want to install any mods to experiment and then uninstall them cuz that's how my Skyrim game got fucked up on PC cuz I down I installed so many mods that I then uninstalled and it screws up all your save files. 
Yeah. So I don't want to do that. I only want to install mods that I know I want to use. So right now it's mostly just guns and a couple other random little things. A couple like new things I can add to my settlement, that kind of stuff. Right. And a mod, which is probably my favorite mod, which makes the power generators not make noise. That's Ooh. probably the best mod in Fallout 4. <laughs> okay. So yeah. No other new stuff for me, but I'm re-experiencing Fallout 4 with mods. It's good, man. Some shitty PS4 mods, I guess. That's good, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, tell me about Octopath Traveler. Yes. I played it for about an hour yesterday. Um, The art, absolutely gorgeous. It literally looks like they printed out paper craft versions of stuff and, like... assembled them and folded them together and plopped them in the world and then added this cool shading engine on top of it. That's exactly what it looks like, and it looks awesome. Mm. Um, The writing is not really great. Hmm. Um, It's just very... Just like melodramatic Japanese kind of thing? No, it's just very... Well, okay, so I've started with The Merchant, and so, like, the writing of, like, her lines and the mom and dad's lines and, like, this other dude who comes along, they're just very corny... Okay. Um, like very tropey kind of stuff, um, and not in like a charming way. Sometimes yes. Okay. So that's that's kind of the flip side of it is that sometimes it's eye rolly and sometimes it's like ah okay yeah it's like good natured sure. stuff. Um, it's actually kind of tough. I was not expecting it to be as difficult, but it also could be because I started with the merchant and maybe she's just not as powerful in battle. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but it. It doesn't really, because she does this thing where um, anyone you can talk to, she can barter with, and they have, like, items. And Hmm. they sometimes have rare items, or they will have items for slightly cheaper than the shops will. Um, But you can only buy stuff from them once, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, I found a guy who was selling a really good dagger and really good armor. I only had enough money for one, so I bought the dagger and then I got into my first fight, and I realized that, oh, she only uses spears and bows. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had the, I have this really nice dagger for when I yeah. find whatever character uses the dagger. Um, That's a bummer. Yeah. But then, like, I, I got through kind of the first area. I, I've died a couple times just in the first hour, hour and a half, hmm. um, just because it is tough, and I'm kind of learning the fight system. But it's especially hard when there are multiple enemies and only one of you because like, oh, they're getting right. to act twice, and yeah. you're just taking buttloads of damage. Um, yeah. The combat is cool, though. It has this really good like kind of rock-paper-scissors thing, which is what I liked about the combat in Vampire, um, where certain enemies will be weak against certain types of attacks, and they have like a little shield next to their name, and um, uh, when you attack them with the proper damage type that shield number goes down per attack and your goal is to get that shield to zero because then they're stunned for a turn and they'll take increased damage Mm -hmm. um so also every turn you act you get one of these little pips up above your name and you can cash those in for extra moves so like Mm. i attack so let's say an enemy shows up and it has two shields so i'll attack it once and i'll gain a pip and its shield is now at one I'll attack it again, and I'll gain a second pip, and its shield is now at zero, and it's stunned. On my next turn, I can cash in both of those pips and hit it three times while it's stunned, so it does increased damage. 
So, like, you can kind of save up these pips. Or, like, if you have two pips so you can act a total of three times and the enemy has three shields, you might want to have, let's say, one of your characters caches in all three of their moves to stun the enemy. And then so the, the next character can, like, do massive damage to it while it's stunned, you know? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's more or less the ins and outs of the combat it has like you know each character has their sp like their skills and stuff um they earn job points from each battle that they can use to get new skills and stuff like that um yeah it's interesting it's interesting i I like it it the menus are really crisp and clean I, i wouldn't say the design is great but they're very um uh, they're they're crisper than utilitarian, I think, but uh, mm-hmm. they they serve their purpose. Um, yeah, the game just looks really really good. It looks really good. I'm um, excited to check it out. Yeah, with the characters that you choose in the beginning, does it kind of tell you about them? Yeah, like it, their yeah. abilities and stuff beforehand. Yeah, so it gives you like a rough breakdown of like who they are. Right. And then you know where they are when they start because you're kind of going around the world map and selecting them like chess pieces almost like where okay. they are so you know where they start you know a little bit about them and then you know kind of what their special ability is it yeah. doesn't really explain what the ability does but it says what it is so like with the merchant okay. there was like purchase was her ability mm. and so it turns out like that's the thing that lets me buy from all the npcs in the world um, yeah because i'm trying to figure out if i need to do some research before i start the game so i know what character i want to play before going in because um, i don't know what character to play well right now. so here's the thing is you can go around and then pick up the rest of the characters and you can start their stories whenever you pick them up oh okay yeah so you don't have to so do you're just you don't have to do eight playthroughs with. of the game Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You just pick who you start with, and then you have a choice to, like, watch and play through their little intro bit um, when you go to pick them up. You can go to a tavern, and then you can play their introduction um, yeah. from there once once they're in your party. So um, That's neat. Yeah. Uh, which is good. I was kind of worried I was going to have to do well, I was, eight different uh, games or I whatever. was worried and a little excited. <laughs> sure. I was like, oh, there's like a lot to this game, but it's, you know, it's whatever. The thing I am concerned about, though, is it doesn't seem like there's going to be a larger connecting narrative. It's just eight disparate stories uh-huh. to go through. So you don't wait. So I'm confused then. So do you recruit them to your party and they accompany you on your personal story? Um, yes and no. Huh. I, that I don't know for sure yet. Okay. I like. From hearing people talk about it, it seems like you can go around in whatever order and pick up the different party members, and you can choose kind of whose story you want to be progressing. Be progressing at any given time. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm really excited to check it out. Hopefully, I can carve some time out this weekend because I really want to start it. It just, yeah. oh man, the look of the game and kind of the old school feel. It's going to be weird for me because typically with JRPGs, I always play with the strategy guide. That's just, I've always liked doing that. Right. And I'm not going to do that with Octopath Traveler. And so, hopefully, I don't feel dumb and overwhelmed with what I'm supposed to do next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, moving into movies. And TV shows and stuff. So Kelly and I went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, the new Marvel joint. Okay. Before going into the actual reaction of the movie, I have a story to tell. 
So last episode, we talked about you going to see The Incredibles 2 and there being very annoying people in the audience. Yes. In that same episode, I referenced my experience seeing um, Doctor Strange and there being some annoying people. And way back in episode two, I went and checked this. When I went and saw Wonder Woman, I told the story of there being this really annoying guy sitting next to me that would like do these like little annoying claps Ugh. all the fucking time. He was farting and burping constantly. He would audibly react to the things that were happening during the movie. Like he'd be like, yeah, like in the middle of fight scenes and like obnoxiously laughing at things where no one else was laughing. He is easily the most annoying person I have ever sat in a theater with. <laughs> and of course he's right fucking next to me. So we go to see a man in the wasp and it was funny when we go to sit because we have assigned seats at this theater we go to. We go to sit and not next to me, but the seat next to that, there was a dude that looked like this guy. And it gave me like Vietnam flashbacks <laughs> of like that Wonder Woman experience. And so we were sitting there, Kelly and me, and there's this empty seat and there's the guy next to me. And I was like, if this other guy starts saying something i'm gonna lose it even if it's just a random whatever he isn't the same guy but i'm still gonna lose it (laughs) and like so i was kind of anxious so the trailers start playing and it's like the last trailer before uh the movie would start and then someone comes and finally like showing up late sits down in the chair next to me and so i think the trailer like the last trailer was for the new peter jackson movie the mortal instruments or whatever it's called yeah which i think looks kind of terrible yeah but um so it was very like junior, which was it was an interesting thing as a side note about this movie. Most Marvel movies, you see trailers for like big action movies like uh, the skyscraper Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie or uh, Fallout, the new uh, Mission Impossible Fallout movie. But for this one, it was all young adult movies, oh, yeah. like all like te- it geared towards like all those kind of movies that are adapted from book series, like young adult book series. So that was just really interesting to me that like th- clearly they think Ant-Man is a younger skewing Marvel movie. Right. I just thought that was interesting. So we saw the trailer for Mortal Instruments, I think is what the Peter Jackson movie is called. And after the trailer, I hear, oh, no. and I look over next to me. It's the same fucking guy that sat next to me at Wonder Woman. The same fucking guy is now sitting next to me during Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, my fucking God. Of all <laughs> no the theaters way. in Atlanta, of all the days, of all the movies, of all the showtimes, of all the fucking seats in this theater, the same fucking guy <laughs> is sitting next to me. And then there's like, a guy next to him that looks like him? Yes. Yes. Wow. It, I, like, as soon no. as the clapping started, I turned and looked, and I saw him, and I turn and look over at Kelly, and she's staring at me with this, like, holy shit face. <laughs> like, granted, I haven't led that exciting of a life, but that might be, it's easily one of the most insane things that has ever happened to me. <laughs> that the same fucking guy... <laughs> I could not believe it. Like, and wow. honestly, when it, when it, ha- obviously I was annoyed throughout the whole fucking movie. I made a couple little gestures to him. I didn't yell at him or anything. He wasn't as bad during this, maybe just because I was used to his bullshit at this point. But like, 
there were there was a big action sequence where there's a song with a song kind of pl- playing and he's like singing along out loud with the song and it was just like that kind of shit it's just and and i don't mean this to be rude i think he has some kind of mental disability he, he was there well by could. himself just the way that he acts seems something seems like it's going on with him. So I don't mean to be cruel to him as a human being, but like he's an adult. If this isn't something he can do, he should not do that. It is. I don't care what your issues are. It's rude. Like having, and I, maybe he doesn't have any problems, but even if he does, that's still rude. There should be some other way for him to do this without ruining the experience for other people. Because as we were leaving the theater, I heard another couple complaining about him having yelled out during the middle of the movie several times. But I just, despite being incredibly annoyed and frustrated by this, as we were leaving the theater, I turned to Kelly and I go, that sucked, but I'm really excited to tell that story on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, like I still, I still cannot man. believe it. I still cannot believe it. Okay, it's well, like now, like this is <gasps> there. You, you have to become a writer on a TV show, and this has to be so a that plot I can... line. <laughs> yeah. No, like, like what, what has to happen though is like see like episode two of the first season. This right. dude is there, and like a couple yeah, seasons and then, like, six, later, the season he's six. back. <laughs> Oh man! Wow! Oh man! Like that is something. It was one of those experiences where you it happens and it's so otherworldly that you're like, I will remember this for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like he makes quite an impression. He definitely did. Did he fart at all during this one? Yeah. Oh yeah. And burping. Man. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. (laughs) So the movie itself, I will say. It wasn't... Okay. This is going to sound very negative. It is worse than the first Ant-Man in every single way. It's not a terrible movie. It's just one of those where I... After watching it, I was like... I would be completely fine had I never seen this. There was nothing in this that is super memorable or exciting or like adds to the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe... There's a cool little stinger at the end that kind of ties into what's happening in the larger Marvel Universe that was neat and kind of sets up what's going to be going. Because obviously Ant-Man was not in Infinity War, and this kind of sets up the why and how it might tie in, that kind of thing. Okay. That moment was cool. Maybe he was it, in Infinity War, you just couldn't see him. That's possible. I'm not going to spoil it. Um <laughs> The beginning of the movie is pretty expository on explaining why he wasn't in it. Like, the end of it shows you where how he's going to tie in in the future. But the beginning of the movie is a lot of, like, why he wasn't in it before. Um, which I guess, I mean, it's not like a spoiler, but I'll save it anyway because people want to see this. So, that I liked. There's a lot of funny banter in that scene. Um, the whole movie, though, it felt kind of, like, low energy. Which is weird in a movie like this, which is more of an action or a a, a comedy action movie than it is like an action action movie. Yeah. But it just felt like no one there was trying very hard. Like Paul Rudd seemed like he didn't give a shit. Evangeline Lilly seemed like she didn't care to be there. Michael Douglas was like he didn't care to be there. There was something about it that just like it didn't seem like they were having fun making it. And so I'm not really having fun watching it. Right. Uh 
there are definitely some funny moments. I laughed out loud a couple times, but by and large, the humor didn't work that well for me, especially compared to the first one. And like comparing it to something like Deadpool, which granted very different style of humor, but I was dying laughing that whole movie. Deadpool two has a lot of jokes and a lot of bits that don't work, but there are so many that work so well. It helps with this. It's a lot of like dad jokes almost. And they're delivered in an uncharming way, which I can't believe I'm saying of Paul Rudd, who is like America's sweetheart. Yeah. But I don't know. It was just kind of a – it just wasn't an exciting movie. There were really only two action sequences even, which the first movie was more of a heist movie. But this one doesn't really have a lot of elements from that. It's mostly them like running away almost. And it just – I don't know. It just wasn't that exciting of a movie. It kind of bummed me out a little bit. Uh, I am putting together a review. It should be up. By the time you're listening to this. So check it out if you want to hear kind of more in-depth thoughts. A little more spoilers on Ant-Man and the Wasp. But it's one of those where like if you see every Marvel movie, nothing I say is going to stop you from seeing it. But if you're like you, Kyle, where you only see a couple of them, there's no reason for you to see this. Right. Like it's not that good. Uh, It's definitely bottom half Marvel movies for me. So a bummer. I didn't have super high expectations for it, but I figured it'd be fun, and it just wasn't even that fun. So, more memorable was the guy that sat next to me. That's yeah, for sure. Holy cow, man! <laughs> and then, um, I think it was on July Fourth. Happy belated July Fourth to everybody, by the way. Uh, Kelly and I were bored one night, and we wanted to find a movie to watch. So we went through all of the Netflix stuff, Amazon Prime, Hulu. We just couldn't find any new movies that we wanted to see. And so we stumbled upon The Ghost in the Darkness, which is an old 90s movie starring Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas, ironically, that takes place in Africa. And it's about these two man-eating lions. And it's in, like, I think it's the 19th century, like mid-19th century. And they're trying to build a railroad. And there's these two lions that are killing all these people. It's based on a true story. The actual bodies of the lions can be seen in some museum i think in chicago they yeah. have them there mom would know but, uh, yeah <laughs> but uh i loved this movie growing up yeah it was it's more of a kind of a suspense, thriller suspense yeah suspense thriller than it is like a horror movie yeah but it scared the fuck out of me as a kid it right. is terrifying and so kelly had never seen it and i've brought it up to her a bunch of times about how i always wanted her to watch it so we're like okay we'll sit down and watch it it holds up that movie's amazing fucking great movie yeah i want to say i watched it like six years ago or something and i still really liked it yeah so go check it out on amazon prime or wherever else you can watch it it has awesome music very african style music it's just like a it's it's one of those where like it's so crazy that this is a true story that like you cannot believe this is true and i'm sure they embellish a little bit and change some things a little bit from the from the real life part of it but it's fucking nuts that most of this at least actually happened so great movie check it out yeah so what about you um so because i care about the people shay um i'm all about doing services to the community right um i am watching frontier which is uh jason mimosa um his show where he's it's a bad show I'm watching it so that no one else has to, Shay. Didn't you start this a long time ago? Kara and I watched the first episode, and it was so bad we couldn't watch it anymore. And I fi- So did I. I, I watched finished the pilot. Ripper Street, what is ob- 
objectively an amazing show. Yeah. So I'm following it up with absolute hot garbage. I'm following it up with my equivalent of burp and fart McClappy pants. So I'm watching Frontier. Why? And it, it continues to be bad, just so you know. Three episodes Why are in. you watching it? Yep. I don't understand. Stop. Just stop watching it. No. I, there are, why would there are you two seasons. Time? There has to be a reason why there is more than one season of this show. Netflix gives a season two to literally everything. That's part of their business model. I'm watching it. Because <laughs> I watched the pilot too, and I was like, this is embarrassing. It's this is sad. So bad. But I successfully stopped watching Frontier. And I'm watching a lot of anime. (laughs) Uh, Black Clover, really good. Uh Just caught up on that. Your your anime minute. Yeah. We're we're over an hour. You gotta, come on, (laughs) wrap this up. Uh, (laughs) Karen and I are behind on My Hero Academia, but we're watching that still. I'm behind on Hitori no Shita, The Outcast. Oh, of course. That one. Yeah. That old chestnut. It is good. It's cool. It has like a lot of different like martial arts fighting styles in it. It's cool. Oh right, because it's anime. Yeah, racist. everything's fucking martial arts. Racist. That, why is that racist? I'm also martial watching arts, the Silver what Guardian. What race, Kyle? What race? Asian. <laughs> I was gonna say Oriental because I know you hate that. Because that is racist. <laughs> I still disagree. <laughs> if they, I, I, if I think it's if a, people of it's Asian descent term. say this is a racist word, then it is. So, are you going to argue that the N word is not a racist word? No, you don't get to determine what is racist or not. I think Oriental is a dated term, but we still use it to describe like styles in like design and architecture and stuff. We still use right. it that way. That are from the Orient, which is what it used to be. It right. is no longer called the Orient. It's now a generalization of it. That is what is racist about saying that. If you're if you're saying it's oriental architecture, that's because it is inspired by actual architecture from the Orient back in like the 18th century. Yeah. It is no longer called that. So is the whole reason Oriental is racist is because it's a generalization? Because it's a non-specific... I'm not not Asian. I can't give you the reason why. But all I know is Asian people tend to say that calling them Orientals is racist. And I think a lot of it ties back to World War II, to be honest with you. Well, I also wouldn't call them Orientals. Fair. I'm thinking of an old person saying that. Yeah. And there's definitely, I think there's a tone implied with okay. it being racist, like right. Orientals, you know, like that, like that's gross. Yes. But I think that could be said of anything like Chinese. If you, if you say anything <laughs> right. like like feta cheese, like it's going to be offensive if you say anything like that. Anyways, yeah. um, I'm also <laughs> watching The Silver Guardian. I, I just got caught up on that. That show only has, like, half-length episodes. like, 13-minute episodes, which is weird. Hmm. Um, hmm. I have not watched one that's like that. What's the conceit for the Silver Guardian? Um, there's, a, there's a dude um, who has... I'm not going to spoil it, but who has a relationship with this guy who started this game company. 
and this guy has an attractive daughter that the dude is all into and the dude who starts the game company something happens to him and this new game launches and like it's like a, a phone game that like sucks your brain into it sort of like a you know like you are like really in it you can like feel and taste okay. and smell stuff all right but it's a mobile game it's like the best mobile game ever made and, right. and um, so he's fucking this dude's daughter in this game no so she gets kidnapped because there's something special about this dude, and the kidnappers know that, and they want to use him for something. So he's in the game trying to do stuff, trying to get her back, who I believe she just kind of exists solely in the game now. I don't know. Maybe her body is not in the game. I'm a little confused. <laughs> Maybe if the episodes were full length, I would know more about <laughs> the it. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> um... Oh, Kara just handed me a note. Did you talk about that weird anime we watched on Netflix? Which weird one? Getting production notes from off screen. Serial killer one? Yes. Okay, yeah. So there's there's a Netflix original anime called, like, B, the beginning or something. And it it was, like, about a serial killer. A is the beginning. No, not in this one. Um,. It's Shay. This is Oriental, so they start with. B. Oh my god! <laughs> um, All right. So yeah, it, we thought it was going to be like this really interesting kind of dark thing about like serial killers, and then all of a sudden this dude has superpowers, and then it's all like they just animated the shit out of it. So we were like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to. We can't follow this, so we stopped watching it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's good. We just fell off of it. But that's mm-hmm. what I've been watching. <laughs> oh, and then movies. I watched Sicario. Right. Okay, the the second one. The first or one. The first one. Okay, great. I'd never seen yeah. the first one. I really liked it. I liked that it had like minimal background soundtrack mm-hmm. music. I really like that. Um, the ending frustrates me. Anytime anyone capitulates to someone with a gun in their face, it frustrates me. Because I'm okay. so stubborn, I would rather just get fucking shot in the face. And she <laughs> capitulates. That's the last thing in the entire movie. She capitulates, and then she does a thing, or, or she doesn't do a thing. And that really right. frustrated me because I would have totally a, fucking yeah. done the thing. Yeah, but but I think the argument because I agree with you that it's kind of like a bummer of an ending. But I think the argument is like that's the point. I know. Yeah, I know. Is that but it also, doesn't like, all work out the way you want it to? She had you guys like, don't always win. She had like one friend, presumably no family, and like she now hates her existence and her job. Why would she not just say no and let him shoot her? Because some people still think that living is worthwhile, Kyle. But that's bullshit. Unlike you, you know who is okay dying at 43. That's bullshit, and you know it. It's not. So, <laughs> she should have she taken the bullet. Oh, she should have called his bluff, is what she should have done. But it's a done. good movie, right? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I'm excited to see the second one. I really I liked, like, they did some really cool camera work, and, like, all the, mm-hmm. like, the way all the action was shot. It was really cool. I liked it. Did you ever go and see Wind River? No. You should. It's by the same writer who also he directed Wind River. He did not direct Sicario, but um, Taylor Taylor Sheridan, who you watched um, Sons of Anarchy, right? Yeah. Some. Of I it. think we've talked about this, but he is the super buff deputy. It's He's been a in while. the early season. Okay. Well, he plays a super buff deputy, Hale in um, Sons of Anarchy, and he wrote Sicario. Wrote Wind River, wrote Sicario 2. Okay. He's pretty fucking good. 
is right. uh, he wrote Hell or High Water as well, which was also fantastic. Okay. He's, he's pretty good, pretty pretty good writer for those like fucking dark, dirty, bad people win kind of movies. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I also, in stark contrast, I watched The Titan with okay. the guy from James Cameron's Avatar in it. Um, uh, Sam something. Wow. Wa- wa- water. Sam. Wow. Sam. What? Something. Yeah. Wh- he d- he does the thing where his face doesn't change at all. Oh, yeah. He's a terrible actor. He's really good at, at doing that thing where he doesn't emote. Um, uh, and then his face does change, except it changes into an alien thing, but then it's covered in makeup, so his face does even less. Awesome. Which is great. Um, Sam Worthington is his Worthington. name, Worthington, yeah. We were almost there. It. Yeah. Um, it's a bad movie. I shouldn't have watched it, but I did. And this is a Netflix original film, correct? I don't remember. It was maybe, on Netflix, maybe. though, right? It was on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix film, because I've seen the trailer for okay. it on there. Um, it was very bad. It looked bad. Don't watch it. Yet again, yeah. I'm doing the community a service. Good for you. Yeah. Do you want to watch Mute and tell me how that ends? No. <laughs> that movie was fucking hot trash. <laughs> that movie was so, so fucking bad. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So that's that's what I watched. Well, cool. At least there was one fucking good thing in there. Frontier, the Titan, a bunch of anime, and then at least you watched Sicario. Hey, all of that anime is really good, except for yeah, that be the beginning fine. thing. That's fine. Black I just Clover don't is phenomenal. This is a really good show. I don't actually have anything against anime, except for maybe the like absurd objectification of women. Like it's now that well, I'm yeah. older, it's just kind of gross. Like it's kind of sad, is what it is. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, but like the main character, there's a chick who likes him, and so his name is. Uh, is she hot? Eh. His, his name is <laughs> his name is Asta, A S T A, and like I watch with uh I I do I mean it's Crunchyroll so they primarily just have subs. Um, mm-hmm. so I watch with subs and, um, subtitles, subtitles, for those that aren't plugged into anime, right? Not in the no. <laughs> um, so they, every time she says his name, like she calls him stupid instead of Asta. Okay. And Clever. So, and I was like, that's really dumb. But then I listened to her saying it and, uh, she's actually saying Bacasta. Which baka oh. is idiot okay. or stupid? So and in so Japanese Asta, they do bakasta. Okay. So it's more okay. clever in Japanese yeah. than it is in the subtitles. And so I was yeah. like, "That's a really dumb thing. Like that's a bad insult." And then I like heard it. I was like, "Oh, that makes way more sense." Right. Yeah. Right. It's one that's of those cool. things that uh, doesn't translate mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Well. I've been watching a bunch of the same TV stuff. So I'm now on season eight of Seinfeld and I'm very much looking forward to the summer of George episode. Cause that's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, and I have also decided that after I finish Seinfeld scrubs is going to be my next rewatch. Ooh, I, nice. I, there's something, something has happened in the past like two weeks where I feel like I'm quoting scrubs to Kelly all the time. And it makes me really want to watch Scrubs. Okay. I always, for like, I think it's because it's been miserably hot here. It's like 95, humid as fuck, and it just sucks everywhere outside here in Atlanta. 
And so we'll be laying in bed with both fans on, the AC on like 72, just laying there sweating. And I like I always turn over to Kelly and go, it's too hot, which is the thing that I don't even remember the context, but it's a Turk quote. And I always picture him in my mind doing that. So I'm going to watch Scrubs. Scrubs is a great fucking show. Yeah. And despite the move to ABC kind of screwing up some of the episode structure and the like spinoff Scrubs interns show not being awesome pretty much the entirety of scrubs is still really good even okay. in those final seasons where it's not as awesome and a lot of the characters come in and out because the actors are doing other stuff there's still a lot of really good stuff in there and that okay. is a very rarity in a show that goes for nine seasons yeah to hold up or i guess technically eight seasons on the core show to hold up that well over time yeah i think i've only seen like the first five or six seasons all the all the first five seasons are amazing, and if you want to check out my Scrubs season ranking on SheHatesEverything.com, re- listeners, season five I believe was my highest rated season. Which going into doing the ranking process, I did not expect that at all. I figured it'd be like season three or four because that's like my memory of the best episodes. But season five's got some real fucking bangers in there. The episode where Kim gets pregnant. It's got the episode um, where. Brendan Fraser comes back and he's actually dead. That's in season five. Oh, with the whole yeah. moment with oh, Dr. Man. Cox. Oh, Ooh. baby, that's a doozy. Um, yeah, Scrubs is a great show. But anyway, also been watching still Top Chef um, and watching So You Think You Can Dance, World of Dance. Fun shows. World of Dance is more frustrating than fun, but we like watching the dancing. Um, update on the guy who auditioned on So You Think You Can Dance, that audition in drag. In drag, yeah. So he made it to the Academy. This is spoilers for the most recent episode of So You Think You Can Dance. He made it to the Academy, and um, at the Academy, the way they have it structured is, all right, not to go too deep into how, how they do the show, but when you audition, you do your own solo. They either send you home or send you through to the Academy. If you make it through to the Academy, you do chunks where you work with the choreographers, with everyone, so so everybody learns the same hip-hop routine, and then they all do it, and then they cut some people. Everyone does the same ballroom routine, and then they cut some people. Everyone does the same contemporary routine, and then they cut some people. That's kind of the structure to get down to the final 20 people that will make the actual show. So they did um, the hip-hop routine, and he was in drag doing it because it was just like a, it was a partnered guy and girl dance, but it was just a fun whatever. And so he was in drag for that and for all the rehearsals. When they went and did the samba, he was partnered with a girl, and so he danced not in drag, just as his normal self. He didn't do a great job, and it made me bummed because I want to root for this guy. He made it through still, so he's still, like, he didn't get cut yet. I still don't think he's going to make the top 20 because I just don't think he's that good. But there was a moment, because basically, like, he did the partnered Samba, and he didn't do a great job, but his partner also was terrible. And so they wanted to give him another shot, so they paired him with a girl who was awesome at it to see if that would help make him do a better job. And he just got clearly overwhelmed by how she was awesome, and, like, she kind of took over him, and he did not do a good job of that either. And so it was like, okay, they should cut him. They gave him the second chance, which they normally don't do. He should go. But Nigel, who's kind of the executive producer, he's this British guy. He's this old... um, He's like the Simon Cowell. He's not rude, but he's like the harsh judge on the sure. show. He was like, look, when you came in and auditioned, 
I said you were a great performer, but that I didn't think you were a great dancer. I didn't think you deserved to make it through to the academy. And the whole time, like the dude, the dancer is like, I know, I know you didn't believe in me, whatever else. I wanted to come here and really make you think of me as a dancer and not as just a performer. And I screwed that up. I know you get you you clearly gave me a second chance and I screwed that up too. I know I don't deserve this, but my goal here is I, I don't even care about making it on the show. My goal here is to make you think of me as a dancer and not as a performer. That's all I care about. And it was this really passionate speech that he gave. And Nigel was like, you know what? You didn't nail that. We gave you the second chance. You didn't nail that either. But you are making me think of you as a dancer now and not as simply a performer. So we're keeping you around. Keep doing the work. And it was like, huh. like I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think he's that good. But yeah, like I want to root for the guy. So that was a nice moment. Um, we're like, they normally don't do that. Like they would normally be like, we tried, dude. You just, you don't have it. Sorry. Peace out. Versus most competition shows where it's all about the storyline and the people versus the talent. So I always appreciate that. But it was a nice moment. Like, Kelly and I were like, hell yeah. Like, I like <laughs> I want him to get better so he can make the show. Because I like this guy. And I really want to see how he will be on the show. Because I think that would be, one, it'd be really powerful to have a gay man, I would, I would guess occasionally at least, dancing in drag on this big of a show. That would be a really big moment. Yeah. For that community, but also just like him getting better in that passion. And he just has this undeniable belief that he can do it. I do not think he can do it, but he fucking knows he can. It's almost like a deliriousness or an <laughs> obliviousness to your own self that like oblivious belief that you have what it takes, even though you don't. But when it comes to like those performance actors and dancers and musical theater people, you have to have that belief. For sure. Despite all the rejection and people talking about you and telling you you don't have what it takes, you have to know that you have what it takes. Even if you don't. If you believe it, you still might succeed. So I think that was a powerful message. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Netflix stealth released a season two of Marcella. Which I don't think we ever talked about on the podcast because I'd watched it a long time ago. But uh, I loved the first season. Netflix didn't promote it at all. It was one of like the early Netflix originals. Yeah. It wasn't super early, I guess. But like um, this was before that was like mostly what they did was Netflix originals. And I never heard anybody fucking talk about this show. And I loved it. Uh, I have a review on the on the site if you, if you want to go search for it. But um, they put up a season two, like, out of nowhere, like, two and a half years later. And so Kelly never saw the first season because we watched it when you and Mom were in town a couple years ago. We watched it. Yeah. Or I, guess, I guess it was, like, last year because I think no, it was at it, our current. it was two years ago. I thought it was at our current apartment. But it, maybe not. Um, but... Kelly wanted to watch it, and I figured it'd be fun, hey, if, if we want to start it while you guys are here and watch a little bit of it together. So Kelly and I are watching it. I'm re-watching it. She's watching it for the first time. And that's still a really good show, man. They overwhelm you with new characters so early on because it's like a murder mystery, basically. Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff going on that's really cool and unique. But uh, they just throw all these characters at you, and you're like, how does this tie together? But as, it, as the little threads start coming together, it's super satisfying. And it was one of those shows where, like, I only figured it out right before the reveal happened, yeah. which I always love when, when that when that's the case because it's pretty rare. So, yeah, it's kind of all the stuff I've been watching. Nice. Any, anything else for you? No, that's 
I'm tapped out, man. I guess the last update I will give is I am almost done with Half-Blood Prince. So I'm like rushing through that. Jeez. I was like a couple chapters in last time. And it's because I bring it to work and I read like two chapters every day at lunch. That's the and best that has quickly become my favorite part of my work day yes. is reading Harry Potter at lunch. Um, and I can already feel that once I finish Deathly Hallows, I'm going to get that like post-book depression. Yep. Even though I've read Harry Potter dozens of times, I'm still so – because I'm right at the end. Like I just finished the chapter where they go to the beach and get the Horcrux and now like they're going back to Hogwarts where Snape's going to kill Dumbledore. Spoilers. Um, and like, I can already feel like I'm so invested again in this universe. I just know I'm going to be so fucking bummed out once I finish the whole thing. So yeah, Harry Potter, it's pretty good. So what say you, we move to news. Yeah, let's do the news. I just (laughs) peed and this is us jumping back in and through the magic of editing, you wouldn't have known that unless I said it. I don't think that's how that's supposed to go, Kyle. I think you're supposed to not tell them that we just cut out and now we're now cutting back in. That's kind of how the whole like production magic works. Well, okay. So I have a, I have a small joke about urination. Um, so you know how the human body is like 70% water, right? I must've been like pushing 90 bro. Because, whoo, I feel lighter. Know what I mean? Good one. Thanks. All right, so what do you say we jump into some news? Here we are cutting back in after I edited out Kyle's terrible pee joke. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. So, so there's not a ton of news. Uh, to be honest, we're still in the post E3, so not a ton of video game stuff happening. So I kind of wanted to structure the news a little bit different and wanted to start talking about Star Wars stuff because there are a couple new Star Wars things coming out. First, there are two technically rumors in that they haven't been totally verified, but it's pretty safe to assume these are the case because we have kind of insider information. We do. I talked to them. No, I got these from other sources. I don't know anybody. First is that Billy D. Williams is apparently coming back to episode nine as Lando, obviously. Uh, this is exciting for me. One, because I still like the old guard. Like, I, I don't like them driving the story. I like that we've now focused on the new characters. But I like them being involved, obviously. It was a bummer that he hasn't been in it up until this point. And now with Han being dead, with Luke being dead, even though there's a big rumor that Luke will be back as a Force ghost, with it, which I think is maybe kind of lame. But, like, it'll be cool to have someone other than just Leia and Chewie as, like, the old... Well, I guess C-3PO and R2, whatever, but as the bigger characters. I'm down for this. And it also makes sense because um, Lando was so much more popular again after Solo. Like, with Donald... Oh, what's Donald Glover, uh, his performance as Lando, which I still loved... So yeah, I liked I'm it pumped too. to have Billy D. Williams back. The second piece is that Carrie Russell is in talks to be joining episode nine in an unspecified role. So there's nothing like concrete about this. J.J. Abrams has worked with Carrie Russell in the past on some shows. Um, and he's a big fan of hers. Obviously, he's the one that kind of wanted to recruit her. They're in talks. They want her to join in an unspecified character. Although the role description says that it has action heavy scenes. Which is interesting to me because when I first saw this, my assumption was, oh, she maybe she's playing Ray's mom. 
because she's the right age. She looks similar. Yeah, I could that see would that. seem appropriate. I, I mean, the whole like race parents were nobodies. Like that might be the closed loop on that. Like we might never never hear of her parents again, which I'm kind of okay with. But if they were going to bring it in, it makes sense to do it in the last movie, and she seems like she would be a good fit for the part. But with the action heavy stuff, I don't know how much that fits anymore. That theory, right? Well, so how? I forget. How did we find out that her parents were nobodies? Who said that? Uh, Kylo Ren. So he basically, like, they're talking about it. I don't remember the specific details, but I mean, he's like, you know about your parents. Like, they're they're nobodies. They were, I think they were, like, drug addicts or something. And they're like, they ditched you. Like, they're no one. Who cares? It was that kind of attitude. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was lying. Oh, that would be even more lame. I well, would hate that. But it would also be kind of like a funny J.J. Abrams, fuck you, Ryan Johnson. Because Ryan Johnson was like, fuck you, J.J. Yeah, and J.J.'s fair. like, fuck you, Ryan. Yeah, like, let's get let's get real petty with these like AAA with these Disney movies. With these huge tentpole releases of one of the most beloved that franchises be, of all time. That would let's be hilarious. Let's get petty. I would almost enjoy that. I would. Now. I would enjoy like, it. If it was done out of spite, <laughs> that would kind of be It'd be fun. pretty good. Um so I don't know. Now I kind of lean towards maybe she's a bad guy. I don't know. There's nothing backing that I mean, up. She looks evil. Really? Oh yeah. Carrie Russell. Hmm. Look at her, look her eyes, man. Lo- she she's looks always like been a bad very guy. lovable. Like she was in that J.J. Abrams show, Felicity. Which I, which I, I didn't think watch. She looks like a bad guy. Maybe. I, th- I guess more now because she's in the Americans, which um, is that. They're like sleeper agents for Russia, and like I have I haven't seen it, but I've heard amazing things about it. But okay. she is kind of, kind of a bad guy in that, I guess. But um, she just she has that low brow. I could see that and the, the sunken eyes. Yeah, I could see that. But I, yeah, I don't know what it was about. Like, there's nothing newsworthy that makes me think that. It's just something about it that makes me think she's going to be a bad guy. So um, in the same report. Uh, which I'll link in the show notes. Um, they are also casting for two other major characters for this. No details on who or what they are, but expect more characters. Hopefully not more characters like Rose. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then in the video game Star Wars universe, we have some details via an interview with Jade Raymond on what's going on with like the EA Star Wars games. So Jade Raymond, a couple years ago, started a new studio called Motive. And this was shortly after, I think, when EA acquired the licensing rights to Star Wars. And they were put on, like, we all thought, and I think they said, that Motive was going to be working on a new Star Wars game. Well, didn't totally turn out that way. They instead became a little bit more of a support studio for Battlefront. And then in Battlefront 2, they focused on the story mode. So they kind of led the story of Battlefront 2's development. They were also working with Amy Hennig's team on that um, new Star Wars game with Visceral. Right. That that got canceled. And so Jade Raymond, who's the lead of that studio, kind of came out and was like, what's going on with the Star Wars stuff? So... um, Oh, you know what? We talked about this a little bit last episode. A little bit, yeah. EA EA Vancouver being the lead on this. So she gave more details for the other stuff that's going on. So Vancouver is the one that's focusing on the open world Star Wars game. And they're also working on the follow-up to Plants vs. Zombies. 
EA Montreal is uh, helping with the, uh, I guess, the open world Star Wars game. And they're working on a different open world game that's a new IP, which is not Star Wars. But they also have a different, a second project that's been greenlit. So um, it was more like an update from her on maybe like almost a clarification that like, don't worry, they're not going to shut us down too. Because they mm-hmm. have a lot of projects in the works. Yeah, they're they're because a motive has two studios basically is what I'm trying to say. So the Vancouver one is the one working on the open world Star Wars game. Montreal is helping with that, but also working on two other projects, okay. which both seem to be very in the in, in the early going. So uh, presumably we'll hear more from that. Um, the more I hear about the open world Star Wars game, which granted we haven't heard a ton about it, but it sounds like a cool idea. Like again, if it was like. Star Wars uh, Destiny? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like a Star Wars Destiny with a little bit more MMO influence. Um, but, I don't know, maybe more like Anthem style, where there's a little bit more focus on the story versus something like the Old Republic being a straight-on MMO. I don't right. know. I, I could just I could get excited about this. I'm still bummed that we're not getting that single-player Star Wars game. I'm still bummed that Star Wars 1313 got canceled. I'm still bummed that a couple years ago there there was a studio working on a Darth Maul game that looked seemed awesome. Yeah. I'm bummed that got canceled. I'm bummed that the original Star Wars Battlefront 3 got canceled back in the early 2000s. There are a lot of Star Wars projects that could have been really neat that got canceled. And the ones we've gotten instead have not been great. So hopefully we get a good Star Wars video game yeah. in the next couple of years. Um, so speaking of Visceral, you mentioned them. Yeah. Um, it's recently come out an interview with one of the um, development leads from what used to be Visceral. Um, he talked a bit about where they wanted to take Dead Space 3, what they wanted it to be, versus mm-hmm. what EA made them make it be. And then yeah. also the ideas they had for Dead Space for 4. Dead Space 4. So like I, for, I saw that report. I did not read that. Yeah. Um, I'll track that down. I'll link that in the show notes. Did you look through it? Because I'm curious yes. about it. Yeah, so with Dead Space 3... They, um, basically what it came down to was EA was not, like, just single-player games were not selling the gangbusters. The first Dead Space sold, it moved about 2 million copies, and EA's metric for that at the time was, A, a game is successful if it ships 5, if it moves 5 million copies. So the single-player thing was just not working. They that's why they implemented multiplayer in Dead Space Two, which was terrible. Yeah, and that didn't do so well. And then it's also why they made them implement co-op in Dead Space Three, which went mm-hmm. against all of their design, you know, theories and yeah. concepts for the game because the game just can't be scary when you have two people talking to each other and like ruining the mood. Um, right. And they also like they didn't. They didn't get to do the weapon creation system the way they wanted to because EA made them put in microtransactions for Mm -hmm. some of that stuff. So that didn't wind up being balanced and it was kind of broken in a lot of ways. And but they couldn't really fix it very well because EA kind of last minute made them do the microtransaction thing. Um, So they so of course the publisher fucks the game. with Dead Space 3. And then, Let me say, because I'm curious to hear about the Dead Space 4 stuff too. Yeah. But on the Dead Space 3 and the Dead Space 2 changes multiplayer, the devil's advocate part of me says that that's kind of work. Like, 
being able to only do what you want to do doesn't well, it's, really it's not what you want it's what you know to be the correct direction direction for the game when the company comes in and tells you no it has to be homogenous yeah and and i mean and and so like granted, of course it's not going to be good because th- you're trying to take these main these things that are surefire mainstream success things and put them in something that doesn't fit with that right so of the course it's gonna it's on- gonna be bad Yes, Dead Space 3 is a horror game. There was very little chance that could work because it was co-op. Right. I, I'm not arguing that. And and granted, this is I, I'm not saying I firmly believe this, but I think there is an argument to be made about when you talk about the microtransactions. We're only hearing the one side, for one, from them. But it's making assumptions about what the process was like. When a boss comes in and says, hey, you need to have microtransactions in the game, that might suck. But it is up to the developers to find a good way of implementing that. Like, sure. I deal with this all the time, in a, and I work in a creative field where I write a lot for work. I deal with all the time executive leadership who I believe to not get, quote-unquote, get what we're trying to say or what we're trying to do. Where they come in and make demands and say, oh, it has to be structured like this. You have to include this quote. You have to do these things. And it is my job to either push back in a way that brings them to my side or implement that feedback in a way that keeps the quality high i'm not saying it's easy i'm not saying i'm able to do it every time i'm not saying it's frustrating it's not frustrating but it is kind of their job to figure out a good way of doing that so i feel like simply pointing the finger at ea isn't really fair but again that's making an assumption about the situation because there and I would believe a circumstance where EA not only dictated there were microtransactions but also dictated specifically how they were to implement those microtransactions which takes away any ability for the developers to do it in a good way. I just feel like that's something worth saying because sure. I feel like a lot of people like to vilify the publishers and a lot of time that's warranted but at the end of the day it's up the, to the developers to take that instruction and make something of quality with it. That's yeah. all I would say about that. I'll, I'll just re- have a small rebuttal and say that the things that they were being told to implement were essentially the antithesis of what the game was attempting to accomplish at the time. Like, because the they, stuff, they talked sure. about, like, Dead Space 3, they really wanted it to be a lot of psychological, like, Isaac seeing things and dealing with a lot of his trauma and stuff. And that's why you have those like half baked sequences because they had to work on right. a second character and stuff. Like right. none of that was in the initial design for the game. And they had to add that partway through the development process. And so that's, I think why it's a bit of a mess. Um, yes. If that stuff had been communicated, I think at the beginning of the design process, they could change their different. idea, whatever else. Right, right, right. right. But yeah. like from from the interview, it sounds like, and they they didn't say this explicitly, so I'm I'm reading in between the lines a bit. But it sounds like they came in a good way into the process right. with these changes that they had to make, which is yes. never a good way to go about anything like that. And it's fair to assume that was the case because we hear that from a lot of developers yeah. that work with EA on stuff. Right. And them adding microtransactions last minute, taking things out, wanting to adjust. Yeah. That seems to happen regularly with that company, which is one of the reasons why a lot of their games come out and people are not happy with them up front and why they're considered the most hated publisher in the video game industry. Yes. There is definitely good reason behind that. I guess what my point was 
even less specifically about Dead Space and more generally the idea of like the developer complains that the publisher made them do something and that's why their game sucks. Yeah. I don't think that's a fair blanket well, statement. Yeah, and there's a reason the publisher is telling them to do that is because games yes. are expensive and they have to make the return. So yes. they have to have safe elements that are going to appeal to a wider audience. I get creatives, that. Creatives tend to get protective of their creations yes. and think that anyone that would come in and want to change that is wrong. That one is not a good way of creating. Right. Creating should be a collaborative process. And two, sometimes they do know better than you. I'm not saying this is the case with Dead Space 3 with microtransactions, right. but sometimes the person whose job it is to help you make something knows better than you. And there seems to be this assumption in the game development community and in a lot of entertainment that like the creator is the only person who knows how to do the perfect thing. And I feel like that's kind of... I mean, wrong for one, but also like unfair to other people involved in that process. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, what about Dead Space 4? I'm curious yeah, to hear about so that. So for Dead Space 4, what they wanted was, I mean, uh, he actually, he said that he kind of wanted the person, to, the, the player character to be Ellie and not Isaac. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. he said he always really liked Ellie as a character, which I did too. I thought, I thought she was interesting. Um, like she had interesting motivations. And so, like, the kind of onus is, like, oh, you play as Ellie, and um, she is, you know, kind of in the aftermath of the giant um, convergence event in 3. She's essentially trying to make her way. Like, she she has a, a damaged ship, basically, and she's trying to be able to, I forget what their, shock? To shock out? Is that what their, like, warp term was? I can't remember. Um, But she's basically trying to, like, warp out, but her ship is broken, doesn't have the components. So Uh it's her, like, kind of going along, like, making small trips and stuff into other ships and, like, scavenging for components. And, like, they said it was, like, a really cool opportunity because the Ishimura kind of was a character in and of itself, um, the ship was. and Because it had all these different personalities and all these different decks. And so they said it would be really cool. They had all these ideas for these different ships that suit different purposes. Um, and, like, you could go in and, like, fully explore those ships. And, like, that's a good opportunity for storytelling and also mm-hmm. for, like, new mechanics and new types of enemies that have adapted to those certain conditions and, like, that ship itself kind of thing. Because um, that's the thing with the Necromorphs is they kind of they create what they create based upon where the whole mutation happens and stuff. And so, like, there's an opportunity for a lot of different types of necromorphs um, and, and puzzle-solving uh, and, and, and other characters that you could meet along the way. And you're kind of, like, going along, gathering bits for your ship um, and kind of building your ship as a character along with you and trying to get to the space station that maybe has the component that'll let you warp out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of, like, the overall structures, you, you kind of going from area to area. Kind of like, they said um, in Dead Space 3, you know, they, those, that big open area you could kind of jetpack around in. Right. Um, they said, like, that was kind of like a fledgling idea of what they wanted this to be like, where it's a more open, a linear open area where there are yeah. multiple places to go and explore. But obviously, like they said, like it would be populated with more things and getting around would easier and less Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. slow like (laughs) it was in the third one um so like that was kind of like their design test for what that those kinds of areas could be like um 
and it just sounds really really fascinating uh it sounds really cool um and i'm extremely and he said like uh he said something along the lines of um and maybe like ellie will realize that like the necromorphs aren't like like it's better to go with the devil you know than the devil you don't and he kind of made an allusion to a different enemy okay um uh, some, something in relation to, like, the origin of the Necromorphs. Like, you would learn more about that in the fourth one. And then he said so- he said something to the um, to the effect of the devil you know. Um, yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, and he said he didn't want to get in any, any further because, you know, you never know when some CEO or board member down the line is looking at their docket of old right. games. is like, hey, why haven't we been in Dead Space in a long time? Yeah. So he's kind of holding on to that. Um but I think that's a really cool setup for a game because I think that's where the Dead Space games shined is in their environmental storytelling and their environment building. Um, I th- and I mean, like the combat was really cool, like the you know the dismemberment combat too. But um, like their ability to craft these areas and tell a story without a bunch of dialogue, um, mm-hmm. I think they were really good at that. And that's why I think it's a shame the way visceral was used in the last several years of its life cycle um because they were not used to that effect at all i don't think they were being played to their strengths and yeah i mean like when you look at their their four games dead space the first one is an amazing game yeah dead space 2 is a pretty good game yeah dead space 3 is a bad game and battlefront hardline is a bad game that's not the kind of trajectory you want to be on as a development studio right and it and I think it's I also think it's telling in that the more input the publisher had in the game and the development process, the worse the games were. I yeah. think that's telling. And also the fact that them working on Battlefield Hardline was not what they wanted to do. Right. EA took them off of a project they were working on. It might have been Dead Space 4, it might have been something else and said, "No, you're doing the next Battlefield." Yeah. And that that's a bummer as well. So hopefully all those folks land on their feet. I'd love to see them get back together in some capacity and come up with something new. There's a lot of talent at that studio, clearly. So, um, yeah, I I would be pumped about, even if it was a new IP, about that studio getting together and working on something again. Yeah, absolutely. So there was one video game announcement, big one at least, uh, in between E3 and now. Darksiders 3 has a release date. It's coming out November 27th. I completely forgot that Darksiders 3 was a video game that was <laughs> happening. Um, I think it looks pretty okay, like the little gameplay stuff we've seen of it. I, I only played maybe an hour of the first game and bounced off and never played the second one. I own both of them now on PS4. I got some definitive edition. It was like $12 on a PS4 the sale. The definitive edition, Shay. Yeah, the definitive edition. Whatever. <laughs> Fucking stupid. So... This seems like a good time for that game to come out in November because obviously Fallout 76 comes out then Smash or I think Pokemon Let's Go comes out in late November, but a lot of the big heavy hitters now are coming out in February next year. Right. And so it seems smart for them because this is a little bit more of a B-tier game, so it seems smart to get out and try to come out this calendar year. Uh so I don't know. I'll continue to look into this. It, it kind of makes me want to go back and try the first Darksiders and Darksiders 2 Yeah. because I know both of those games have um some like a, a decent amount of fans so 
I might check them out. The whole whip combat in, in Darksiders 3 looks pretty sweet. I don't know. It was just funny that, like, I forgot this game existed. And, oh, it's coming out in November. <laughs> right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, in mobile game news, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is getting a mobile game. 13 years after the show started on the air. It's called The Game Goes Mobile, which sounds about right. And the kind of setup is that Frank gets a lot of money and he enlists the rest of the gang to help him launder it. And that's kind of the game. Okay. I haven't really seen many details or like actual gameplay of what you're doing, but they have said that they're aiming to release it this year. So I'm sure we'll see more relatively soon. Uh, when I first saw this, before I saw what the game was, or at least what the setup was, my assumption was that it'll be a spin on the video game they all play in the episode, Charlie Rules the World. Yeah. Which is an amazing episode. The whole video game, it's like a it's like a Facebook game version of an MMO, kind of. It's all about like relationships and farming and like the Stardew Valley kind of feel to it. Yeah. Um, Harvest Moon, but in a exploitative mobile version. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think, would have been a fun way of them to make that sort of game where it is, it isn't actually them. It is its own fantasy game. It's just like with their style to it. Right. That could have been cool. But who knows? We'll see more about this. Maybe this will be the one mobile game I play next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's some stuff coming out, more stuff coming out about The Last of Us Part Two. In an interview with fucking BuzzFeed, Neil Druckmann was talking to them and. He, because they were asking about the relationship with Joel and kind of how Nelly, or Nelly, Ellie has changed, and how The Last of Us, the first game, was a lot about the relationship between Joel and Ellie and her kind of growing up as your NPC companion. Yeah. And he, Neil Druckmann, was like, "Yeah, well, there's an NPC companion in this game too." He didn't go into de- details about who it is or whether it's the same person the whole time or if it even is with you the whole game or part of the game. But um, easy assumption to make is that it could be Joel. I tend to still live under the hypothesis that Joel is dead during this game. And the whole E3 demo where the one dude references your old man is a flashback to when Joel is around. But the actual meat of the game takes place after Joel has died. Where Ellie's kind of on this revenge trail, whatever. That's kind of my theory on the game oh man what if because remember that original e3 trailer with ellie playing the guitar and the joel that goes and talks to her he has like all uh-huh. brown hair and he looks kind of mm-hmm. young like from the back what if the npc companion is just dead joel like ellie's memory of dead joel like talking to her kind of like a conscience the whole time even that oh that, fuck that original trailer that was my theory as well yeah that Joel was in her bro- like she was talking to dead Joel. The idea of him of dead Joel being her companion seems fucking wacky. Yeah, but maybe in a really cool way. Right, like <laughs> that, I mean that he, could be like, cool. And like that's the reason why she was alone for that fighting section cuz he's not there right. but, like during the quiet moments. Cuz he's moments, not actually there. Yeah, like during the quiet oh, moments damn. he shows up and he's like and she's talking to him and stuff. Ooh, yeah. that gives me goosebump. Yeah. The other theory I saw on this was that it's uh, Dina, or Dinah, I don't know how you pronounce her name, the um, Middle Eastern girl that's with her in that scene that she kisses. Right. Just because they set her up as being a potentially impactful character so she could be the companion. I don't really buy into that just because 
I don't know. She doesn't really seem like she's a combat kind of person. But also, we talked about it in that E3 episode of Ellie is wearing her bracelet in that gameplay demo. Right. And so I would assume, again, that because that's a flashback, Dina is dead. Maybe she isn't. Maybe they're just together. And so Dina gave her the bracelet to wear. That's certainly possible. But given this is the last of us we're talking about and how fucking dark and awful this game is going to be, I would gonna think that she's probably fucking dead. Could be. There's also, which I didn't realize, I didn't, I guess I didn't notice in that demo, but I saw in the Game Informer article that was talking about this, that in it, they make reference to another character who I guess goes on some patrols with Ellie. And so maybe it could be that character who is the companion. Interesting. Who we did not see in that gameplay demo or during that little cutscene. But I guess they do reference a different character other than Dina and the guy that she talks to and then your old man, quote-unquote, that is probably Joel. So, okay. who knows, man? This is the kind of, like, mystery little threads that I enjoy when we talked about Death Stranding stuff. We don't need to go into that, but I made the reference to Last of Us. We're like, we know what The Last of Us is because we've seen it in action, but they can still give us the cool mystery where we hypothesize and have theories about everything. Versus something like Death Stranding, I feel like it's all theories still at this point, and that becomes less satisfying. I remember I was listening to the Giant Bombcats where they were talking about it, and they were like, let me see the fucking game. And that's how I am. I want to see it because it could be awesome. Like, whatever. We'll, we'll put we'll put Death Stranding away. We'll put that away. We don't need to go back into Death Stranding. Thank you. <laughs> As with Detroit Become Human, I am very excited to hear you talk about Death Stranding. Because I know you're going to be passionate about it and you're really interested in it. I like that. I just am not that interested in it. I'm not trying to take away from your excitement. Yeah. So, okay. Um, We've been talking about this new Sonic movie for a while. First, it was rumored that Paul Rudd was going to play the kind of buddy guy. Yeah. And now it's uh, James Marsden who is going to play the buddy character. Now, apparently Jim Carrey is in talks to play Dr. Robotnik. So weird. Which is so weird. But I think could be neat. I yeah. could see him like leaning into that and being really over the top. He's certainly good at that. In the like the original story broke via deadline, and in that story they referred to him as Doctor Eggman, not Doctor Robotnik, which is a bummer. Fake news. Doctor Eggman is fucking stupid. So, whatever. Um, yeah, it's still scheduled to release winter next year. You know, you can go see the Sonic buddy comedy, and then the next weekend you can go check out Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, maybe Those two go together Paul Rudd really well. will play one of the Chows. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh. Maybe he'll play Tails. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, I don't know. This movie continues to be really fucking weird. We'll yeah. see what happens with it. It could be a complete disaster, or it could be fun. I can't Much wait. Much like that Detective Pikachu movie. Yeah. I can't wait for Sonic to make out with a human woman. Oh, oh God. He gets all the ladies, man. Yeah. Yeah. He likes to go um, fast. What can I say? <laughs> so there's a new series coming to Netflix called The Dragon Prince. And this is created by one of the executive producers and directors of The Last Air- Airbender. Which... The show? The show. Okay, good. Yes. Avatar Last Whew. Airbender, the show. 
I'm not sure if these guys were involved in Korra, but they were certainly involved in the original. Okay. Uh, that's pretty exciting in and of itself. It's called The Dragon Prince. Um, we don't know when it's coming out. They have a panel at Comic-Con, which is on July 21st, where presumably they'll have like a legit trailer and maybe some details, maybe when it's going to hit. Uh, but yeah, this could be fucking neat. I mean, Avatar The Last Airbender was an awesome show. I never finished Korra. I only watched the first season. I wasn't as into it. Uh, but I could be down with some more of this. I, it's it's very fantasy. Obviously, dragons are involved. It's, it mentioned something about different nations being disparate, which is pretty familiar to Avatar yeah. The Last Airbender. So we'll see. Could be cool. Um, Danica Harrod, formerly of Waypoint. Yes. Um, Vice Waypoint. She just left Vice, and she is now head of community development on Dragon Prince. Yes. So, another another name drop. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then finally, this isn't so much news as it is just something I thought was funny. In a recent interview, Todd Howard was asked about Skyrim, like all these Skyrim remasters and on different platforms, whatever else. And he basically was like, we'll stop putting them on different systems when people stop buying them, which I yeah. just thought was like a fun Todd <laughs> Howard mic drop moment. Like yeah. th- that game is selling so many fucking copies. It's like Minecraft everywhere. Yeah. They put it, it sells tens of millions of copies. Why would they not keep putting it on other things? Exactly. I don't get why people complain about this. And again, oh, if you don't Skyrim want it, remaster? stop buying it. Stop like buying I feel like it. half the people who complain about all the different Skyrim releases buy it every yes, time that is my point yeah if you really <laughs> want it to stop stop buying it come on let's not be thick-headed here they put I it on the it phone funny. i would buy it on my phone i wouldn't because i wouldn't have space and my phone would explode but i would want to i would want to buy it on my phone yeah i guess if i had a phone that would run it i just have the se probably wouldn't run it right so i don't know man i, I mean i, I love can, todd howard I consider getting Skyrim on Switch. I've played it so many times at this point that I don't think I would get that much out of it again. And if I was going to like start a new game, I would probably just want to start it again on PS4 just because it's going to look so much better. But, uh, yeah, I consider getting it on Switch, even though I own I, it on PS3, PC, on and Switch. PS4. I've put probably close to 1,000 hours into that game across all those platforms. And maybe the Switch version Switch. is totally competent. <laughs> you know, it comes with that amiibo functionality where you slap an amiibo on there and it drops a chest. And it also comes with some, it. it also comes with Legend of Zelda mods, the Master right. Sword. Right. So there yeah, you go. Man. That's my reason. I think and, it comes with Link's the, like, armor too. Link's armor, yeah, the yeah. tunic and stuff, yeah, and tunic. it looks just so ridiculous and weird. Yeah. On those like Nord models. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. So. That's going to do it for news. Like I said, not a ton going on, but um, yeah, it's kind of good, honestly. We have, we have so much stuff to talk about and what we're playing and watching. I kind of enjoy the little lull in the news stuff. So yeah. before we move into hate of the week, one little thing I did want to talk about, because we're over half the way through the year now, I kind of just wanted to check in with you. What's your favorite game so far? Uh, I am pulling up a list of games that have released this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have played, uh, okay, I, I mean, I, I have played, uh, Final Fantasy 12 on PC, um, Steam World Dig on Switch, um, uh, Dynasty Warriors 9, um, Monster Hunter, you play Monster Hunter? No. Oh, okay. 
I know you played some God of War, but you fell off. Metal Gear Survive I played. Mm-hmm. Vermintide 2? Yes. Um, Detroit. Yeah. Sea of Thieves. Yes. Far Cry 5. A Way Out you played. Um... Put the I did the Nintendo Labo stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, any of those? Um, oh, Subnautica. Well, officially I, released. I, yeah, I guess. Vampire, um, obviously. I've been playing that for years. Yeah, played, Vampire. Um, Cube two. State of Decay two. Yeah. Um, any of those jump out as like being so awesome? Not a one. No. Yeah. I mean, I have only played five games now this year. God of War is obviously still my, my, my tippy top. I have some insignificant and some significant issues with it. I'm writing my full review now, even though it came out like two months ago. Um, or close to three months ago. So that'll be on the site like this week or next week. But that's still like, if that ended up being my game of the year, I'd still feel okay about it. But I'm anticipating there being a lot more games this year that are going to topple that. Because, I mean, we got Spider-Man, Red Dead 2, Fallout 76, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Octopath Traveler, obviously. Banner Saga 3 comes out at the end of this month. So there's still a lot of, like, games I'm really highly anticipating coming out this year. But uh, yeah. for me, it's definitely God of War thus far. Um, so what do you say we talk about some hate of the week? Let's do that. So this ties back into discussions that were had on the Giant Bomb at Night E3, like post-E3 shows, where kind of what they do is they just have Jeff sit on a cat or sit on a chair, have a bunch of random folks come in like for 45 minutes each, and they do a couple segments each night of E3. Developers, publishers, um, other journalists in gaming industry, personalities in the industry, that kind of thing. And they just talk about games, what they saw at the show, kind of what's going on in the industry. It's really awesome. It's one of my favorite things Giant Bomb does every year. So this year, one of the segments they had the folks from Waypoint, so Danica, who was there at the time, as well as Austin, who runs Waypoint, and Patrick Klepek, formerly of Kotaku. Both Austin and Patrick used to work at Giant Bomb, and I really enjoyed them both at Giant Bomb. Since leaving Giant Bomb, I don't really like them as much anymore because they're incredibly political about everything, and it just kind of grates on me. And so it's, like, less specific about a particular moment, but there were times during that podcast, that recording, where, like, they brought up, hey, every developer we talk to, we're asking them why they have politics in their games or why they don't have politics in their games. That's kind of our thing for this year at E3. And, like, they can do whatever they want. There is an audience for that. They are very clearly passionate about that. My thing is just, like, sometimes it's just a video game. Sometimes it's not a political or religious or social statement that this artist is trying to make. And to look down on people who aren't trying to make a political statement in their games is fucking annoying. I'm not saying that they are, like obliquely doing that but i see a lot of people doing that dismissing games that don't have this larger social commentary as being frivolous 
annoys the shit out of me. Because yeah. sometimes it's just a fucking video game. What's wrong with that? Like, what's... It's just a story they felt like telling. Yes, and, and, and a lot of them still are from personal experiences that, that they're trying to express. Like, I think of that developer who was on stage at um, EA talking about Sea of Solitude. Like, that game isn't making a political statement, but it's a, it's a, it's a personal journey and a personal experience that she clearly is passionate about sharing with the world that she's trying to express. That's all great, too. But I, just as often, don't have problems with them just making a fucking fun video game. That's yeah. not bad. Like, look at movies. I mean, and there are people that exist in, 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 like, film as well that look down on the summer blockbusters. Or they look down on the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies as being, like, shallow fluff. And they only care about the really intense movies like Call Me By Your Name that I talked about last episode. Where it's about this homosexual relationship in Italy in the early 80s where it was hidden, whatever else. They're making a statement about that and how it, uh, how it affects real life nowadays. That stuff can certainly exist, and it's important for that to exist, but it's just as important for that escapism part to exist. And it really fucking annoys me when people look down on that stuff. If you don't enjoy it, if you don't personally get anything out of those, that's totally fine. But this, like, feeling that, like, they don't deserve to exist because they aren't adding anything to culture, fuck off. Like, that's so pretentious. And frankly, close-minded. Yeah, it's very narrow. I look at a lot of those people, and I especially look at Austin and Patrick, the way they talk about this stuff. They like to think that they are doing a good job of promoting that social movement in video games, that cultural movement in video games. And so they hold developers to a high standard. If they aren't participating, if they aren't out there beating the drum for feminism, beating the drum for representation from the LGBTQ plus community, that they aren't doing what they should be doing. They beat that drum. But if a developer came out and made a game that was like pro-Trump, they would fucking hate that person. So it's not about game developers being involved in the community and having something to say. What they care about is game developers saying what they want them to say. That's the larger problem. And it's this mentality which you see... I mean, granted, in the video game industry, in the film industry, you see it more from the far left liberals because there are very few conservatives in those industries. In in the world, you see it just as often with Republicans and conservatives via Fox News, whatever else, of like they only want to promote people that believe what they believe and they will trash anyone otherwise. It goes back to that like dichotomy of the extremes are getting more popular. There are few people in the middle anymore. And with this in this instance, with those guys, it's that liberal side. Like if, if not that, not that I would like a game that is homophobic, I'm not advocating for that. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know what, what there's a good example of. Like if there was a game about abortion that was like the message of it was more pro-life, they would fucking hate that game. They would torch that game. They would shit all over it. And that's not fair. Because then you aren't promoting the discourse. You aren't promoting the cultural movement. You're promoting your own agenda. And that pisses me off. It's so, like, close-minded is the best way to describe it. Like, there's this mentality that they, these people that are the crazy liberal people, are so open-minded because they're so accepting of everyone unless you disagree with them. Then they hate you. The, pro- the problem with that argument is, though, 
that the people who disagree with them tend to be close-minded. And so, like, oh, you're... So you're open-minded and understanding of anyone except for those who are closed-minded. That's actually closed-minded. I disagree. No, I think that's a bad argument. I think that's I think that's that's a generalization you're making about the people that that wouldn't that people that wouldn't agree. I'm going to use Austin and Patrick just for the sake of argument. I'm not loping sure. them specifically into this group, but people that would disagree with Austin and Patrick aren't just closed-minded people. I disagree with them. I am not a closed-minded person at all. I firmly believe that I am very moderate when it comes to social and political and financial issues. I come down on either side of the fence on a lot of stuff. I'm not closed minded about this and I vehemently disagree with them on many points. I agree with you that there are plenty of people on the other side who are closed minded. And I feel like it's, it's less closed minded. It's more like bigoted. Like I'm not saying that they shouldn't, you know, Take someone to task that is making a game that is homophobic or misogynist or anything like that. That's not what my argument is. And, like, maybe Trump is a bad example because that's kind of what it is. But, like, the abortion thing. Like, you can be pro-choice, but the people that are pro-life, you can't just say that they're evil. You know what I mean? And just like right. I, if I am pro-life, I can't just say that people are that are pro-choice are evil. I disagree with them, and I vehemently disagree with them for a lot of points, some of them being religious, so I can't hold anyone else to that standard. But, like, I'm not going to say, fuck you, you're a bad person. I'm going to tear you to shreds because of that. And I feel like a lot of people in the video game industry particularly, because there's so much more of a movement now about... I don't know representation. how to it. Yeah, because it's not even just representation. It's more about, like, equality, maybe. But, again, it isn't equality because it's not about equal. It's about well, we're yeah. raising them up by pushing an, you down. It's an overcorrection. Yeah. Inequality. Yeah. We're, like, it's, it's an oversensitivity, too. Like, sure. e- everything is racist. Everything is homophobic. Everything is misogynist. You can't say anything because someone will take offense to it, and then you're vilified because it's the internet. This is obviously now a much broader topic, but like the core of it is about taking your personal beliefs on things and thinking not only that those are the only things that matter, but that everyone else needs to be saying the same thing as you. Because and, and presenting that as like, all I care about is that people are talking about important stuff because that's how it's framed. It's we think politics matter, so games should be talking about politics, but that's not what they think. They think games should be talking about how Trump is bad, how immigration status is bad, how politics are hurting women and hurting minorities and hurting gay people. That's what they want the conversation to be about. That is a conversation that should happen because in a lot of cases that is the truth. But there are arguments against that too. There are arguments that are positive against that too. Yeah, but I get like if they personally fall on one side of the line – I don't think that's their responsibility to present the other side as well. I think it's those people who fall on the other side that should speak up and present their side as well. Yeah, you know? I, I, don't, I don't think that either. What I am saying is it's not that they are only presenting their one side. It's that they're acting like they're the open-minded ones. All they care about is that there's conversation happening, that there's discourse happening, that we're all moving forward together. 
and that isn't what is happening. The only conversation they want to be happening is the conversation they agree with. That's my point. I guess I kind of disagree because I feel like if people like they're all like they frame it that way because they're always up for the conversation. Now they will always come down on their side of the fence on every issue because that's what they believe, but they're always up for the conversation and they always have the conversation and they, by having the conversation that opens it up for both sides to speak. Now, of course, like, I don't think so. Like, yeah, they might be having the conversation, but the reason they're having the conversation is so that they can shit on the other person's thoughts and their opinions. But isn't that the whole point of a debate? No, no, the debate is about the discourse. It's about understanding both perspectives. Well, maybe debate's the wrong word because the de- I think in a debate the point is to 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 for you to change the mind or to not to be right because it's subjective, but like to win the argument. That is a debate. Right. But this isn't a debate. This is a, this is supposed to be a conversation. Okay. And the point sure. of a conversation is not to shit on the, what the other person is saying. It should be to understand their perspective, regardless of whether or not you agree with it. It should be about understanding why they think what they think. And I feel like that's the part that's missing. Because they don't go into it trying to understand. They go into it trying to prove them wrong. Okay, so you think instead of them saying, all we care about is the conversation, they should be saying, all we care about is the debate? Would that feel more honest? Yeah, it would feel... I, I would still think that that's a shitty attitude, but yes, at least that would be honest. At least okay. then, like, their bias would be clear. Instead of trying to present themselves as the open-minded ones, at least they would be honest on where they're coming from. Okay. Because I feel like someone like Jeff is open-minded about it. He obviously has his opinions on what's going on. He doesn't talk about it that much, which is his right. But yeah. when people are on there, he's not ad- advocating for one side over the other. I mean, he does occasionally. I know when Phil Spencer was on there, he was shitting on Sony a little bit. But they were for things that are objectively bad moves. Like the whole cross-play thing. Like a lot of that decisions, like those are objectively bad for consumers. Again, I am not saying that them shitting on someone who would beat their wife is bad. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be allowed to do that. They absolutely can. Yeah. But it's it's the subjective, the opinion, the beliefs. That's what I have a problem with. And it's not just be, it's not just on the points that I disagree with them on either, because their their whole thing about like representation and LGBTQ plus community like I support all of that. This whole move where like and and you see it in films now too, where we're getting a lot more female leads that aren't making fun of it being a female or like aren't overcompensating for it being a female, but it's just a, a woman who is the main character of this movie. And she's not upset about her boyfriend dumping her, but like she's just this strong female character. That's awesome. And it's so sad that that didn't used to exist. And even more sad that I used to not care about that. Like I used to not, it's not that I dismissed it, but like I didn't think about it. The fact that I think about it now and that it's happening now is awesome. I'm not advocating against any of that. But it's like that overcompensation where now if a video game comes out where the main character is a white guy, they hate that game. Because it's not, it's not helping the progression. It needs to be a person of color or it needs to be a woman. Otherwise, it doesn't deserve to exist. And the people that are making it are wrong. That's my problem with it. It's this I guess I, I just haven't seen that much of them. 
and it, should yes. be able to make that argument against what you're saying. So, again, again, know. all of this is a general generalized topic. I'm only using Austin and Patrick as the example to make it more tangible. It my idea of this started because of comments they made during that interview. I'm not saying everything I just complained about is directly related to Austin and Patrick. Okay. I want to make yeah. that very clear. Okay. I'm not trying to call them out for all of this stuff. I have seen quote unquote people, a community saying these types of things. And they're the ones that kind of made me think about this. So okay. you're right. I have not seen this from Austin and Patrick either. It's more just using them as kind of a vessel for the conversation. Um, so I don't know. I, I definitely and, – and I understand all the points you're making, and I don't disagree with any of the points you're making, but that's not what I'm talking about here. You know what okay. I mean? Right. It's, it's, it's the presenting yourself as being open-minded when you are not and the dismissal of things that don't align with your beliefs and your priorities. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm coming from. Got it. And now I'm frustrated because last episode when we didn't do a hate of the week, I was like I wanted to keep it more trivial – but then I saw this and it really bugged me. And I know I texted you about it right afterwards <laughs> yeah. too. And just, I don't know. I, I felt like that was worth talking about. So, whew, deep breaths. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not gonna carry this around with me the rest of the day. I'm going to like try on my suit and I'm like buttoning up my shirt like, oh, fucking these guys. <laughs> Liberalism. Um, okay, so moving on. Emails. Send your emails to info at shehateseverything.com or you can message me on Twitter at, at Shea underscore Castle or on the Shea Hates Everything Facebook page slash Shea Hates Everything. We got an email in from our number one fan, Aaron. <laughs> so Aaron says, it's kind of a two-parter, so we'll address this. Aaron says, hey, guys, really enjoy the podcast. It's in my regular podcast rotation. Thanks, Aaron. Keep up the good work. Um, as someone who enjoys collecting video games retro and current, I find myself with an ever-growing backlog of video games that I want to play. I want to know, how do you guys organize slash prioritize your back catalog? And then the second question being, what are your top three games you really want to play but haven't? So I guess addressing that part, well, no. The organization thing for me, I typically stick to, because my backlog is infinitely large, as with most people, I tend to stick to games that are more highly lauded by people I respect because I therefore think that I will enjoy them a little more. Like that time investment will be more worth my time and which maybe isn't the best idea. I tend to focus on bigger games when it comes to my backlog. So kind of my, my three big games that I want to play now are Red Dead Redemption, which I know isn't super current, but I've always meant to play it. A lot of people consider it the best game ever made. I feel like as someone that talks about video games, that's like the biggest missing game for me that I have not played. Plus, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out this year. I want to be excited about that. I want to play it and get the full thing out of it. So I feel like I should try that. The other two are, are similar, but more recent, being The Witcher 3 and GTA 5. That are huge games that everybody loves. The Witcher 3 I did start. I played for probably two or three hours. When I got to the Gwent tutorial, the game crashed three times in a row, which pissed me off. And so I skipped the Gwent tutorial altogether. And then went out into the wild and just got my ass kicked by some random enemies on the side of the road. And I wasn't really enjoying the combat yet because it was so kind of slow and plodding. And I was just kind of like, 
I know the story is going to be amazing. That's all I hear about this exploration and all the ambient stuff. It, it, the game is beautiful, but I have also heard complaints about the combat. So I'm just done. I'm just It's not worth this time investment for me right now. But, again, with everybody like, this is the best game that's come out in years, I feel like I should go back and give it another shot. So that's where I'm coming from in terms of like my decision-making about what games to play. It would probably be easier if I picked out some smaller indie games because those will be much shorter. I can get through more of them, but I tend to focus on kind of the bigger games that I feel like I should play. Yeah. What about you? Um, for me, like I don't – in terms of like organizing and keeping track and stuff, on, in Steam I have – every time I buy a game – I add it to I have a um, a category that's backlog so I add mm. it to the backlog so mm-hmm. I always know which ones I played and which ones I haven't and when I finish a game I will take it off of the backlog category right. and then uninstall it um so that's how I keep track but in terms of how I choose it's entirely dependent on mood yeah it's like whatever I'm feeling yeah um and th- maybe to an extent that's influenced by like the giant bomb Facebook group or giant bomb or the YouTubers, YouTubers I watch and stuff, or like people that I know that talk about games. I'm sure to an extent it's influenced by that just in terms of how much I know about something ahead of time. Um, but it, it, it mainly just comes down to what I'm in the mood for. Um, I see my biggest three. I need to finish doom 2016. I never finished it. Okay. Um, I don't even remember how far I got. Uh, that game's and- pretty good. Yeah, and I need to play Budget Cuts, because that's the game I bought VR <laughs> for, playing the demo, and now it's finally out. I need to actually play it. And Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, I have on PC. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I played a, the demo for it on PS3. Right. When I think it was a free PS out. Plus game, because I have that as well. I think yeah. on PS3, though. Yeah. Um, and my I have a friend who really, really loves Dragon's Dogma. Mm-hmm. Every time I tell him... I have it. I haven't played it yet. He just goes on this big story about all these different, like, great experiences he's had playing it. So I really want to try that. And it's like it's that kind of B tier action game right. that I find really charming. Right. Um, so it has all of those elements. So I know it's something that I'll I would like. I don't know if I would ever bother to finish it because apparently it's kind of long. Well, yeah. I mean, it's but, like a big RPG. Right. Um. But yeah, I think those are probably like my top top three. I guess yeah. again, it's hard to like say what my top backlog games are because it's like I said, dependent on my mood. Yeah, and I, I I definitely get a little bit of that too. Less in choosing the game and more in once I choose a game, I wait to start it because I'm not in the mood to play it. So maybe I need to think a little bit more about trying to force myself to play a specific game and then just picking one up when I feel like I want to play it. If that makes sense. Yeah, because um, I, I like I end up like a game like GTA Five, I just have and I know I need to play it, but I'm never really in the mood to start it. And part of that's because it's so big. I know it's going to be a big investment. Um, it but is, one yeah. other thing, as I'm thinking about like the recent backlog games I played, so like I played Rise of the Tomb Raider a couple months ago. Me and too. So I think a lot of the impetus on me as well is when there's a sequel coming out, and I yes. meant like if I meant to play the original, and there's a sequel coming out, I'll play the original. As well as with Rise of the Tomb Raider, it was one of those where, like, I always wanted to play it. Because a lot of games you buy, if it's a Steam Steam sale, Steam sale, man, or, like, a PSN sale or whatever else, or you'll get it for Christmas where you're always, like, kind of on the fence. Like, oh, I might as well buy it. Maybe I'll check it out. Those games you're never going to play. 
But there are the games where you buy that you intend to play, and then something just happens. You get busy or some, some other game comes out. And those are easier to, to motivate myself to go back to, like Rise of the Tomb Raider. Like, I always really wanted to play that game. I just... it Because it came out exclusively on Xbox and then came out on PS4 a year later, I had already kind of moved on. And then I got it. It was on a sale. I was like, oh, yeah, it's 15 bucks. Hell, yeah. And I went and played it immediately after buying it, partially because I always wanted to play it, partially because Shadow of the Tomb Raider is coming out in a couple months. So yeah, that kind of thinking makes it easier to, to pick up games, especially, like, to do it now. When I know there's a sequel coming, it makes it easier to do it now. Yes. So, yeah, that's kind of where, where we're coming from. Uh, write in if you're interested. What are your biggest backlog games? How do you decide what games to play? Because we all have dozens, if not hundreds, of backlog games. Oh, yeah. So, to wrap up the episode, as we always do, we will finish with some positivity. So, I'll say today that I don't hate that I'm going to be seeing you and Mom in, like, a little less than a week. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Um, mine is not as nice as yours. Um, yeah. Today, I don't hate finally killing a fly that you've been hunting for the better part of an afternoon. That is satisfying. Got that yesterday. Yeah. I did break one of my blinds getting it because oh, I, I hit it with the fly swatter so hard it it cracked one of my <laughs> blinds. Yeah. So I took scotch tape and taped it together. So we have a ton of bugs here because we live like in the woods and we do like a spray thing every month to keep them out. And it works for a couple of weeks, but then they always manage the way to get back in. And so we get a lot of cockroaches, which I know are disgusting, but there's nothing we can do about it. It's just where we live. Right. Kelly is terrified of, of cockroaches. And there's something about it. It's just like a, a wall that she cannot break through. Because she's killed other bugs before. She's scared of them, but she's done it. But something about cockroaches, it's like it's this phobia that she just cannot get past it. And so whenever there's a cockroach, I have to come kill it. God forbid I'm not here when there she finds a cockroach. She just can't go into that room. <laughs> Before we started the podcast, I saw a big cockroach on the, by the window area that went underneath the desk. And we have a lot of like books and cabinets and stuff over there where I was trying to shake him out, moving stuff around to kind of get him to scurry, and I couldn't find I couldn't get him out. And I just fucking know I'm going to be in here like most of the day today. I'm not going to see the dude for a fucking second. But the second Kelly gets home, she's going to come in here. It's going to be in the middle of the damn floor. It's like they know <laughs> her fear, and they wait to come out until she's around. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Kelly. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to get him before you come home, but I don't think it's going to work. He's a big one, too. He's a big fella. Good. Juicy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, think I have an yeah. issue with cockroaches, too, and I think it stems from Men in Black. Okay. That nasty yeah. big yeah, cockroach yeah. dude. Oh, and they they man. do bite and it hurts, but like they can't do anything to right. you. Like they don't Sugar carry water. They don't they don't carry that many diseases that will affect you like a mosquito could. Right. Like they're not poisonous. I don't I don't understand her fear specifically about cockroaches. Cuz she ate spiders too, but she's killed a spider before. And spiders to me are so much more terrifying than cockroaches. The way they fucking move. Yeah. Oh, I hate spiders. So, yeah, there's your bug <laughs> update. Maybe next episode I'll have killed it. Uh, so that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you for listening. Kyle, as always, thank you for joining me. We got out of here in two and a half hours, bro. We're trimming this shit down. Uh, so we'll be back um, next time. I am at a wedding 
the following that weekend we're supposed to record so i will do everything i can to still get up an episode kyle you and i are gonna have to figure out when we record it if we can do it a little early next episode maybe a day late or day two days late if we can't work that out so just keep your eye out for that but uh we will see you guys next time peace out we